Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends, welcome to level 296, question mark. No, no, 297, because 296 was us moon in the night. 297 of Laughing Up Fuzz (laughs) Balls. Uh, That's right. Actually, 296. Future Wookiee out. We mooned the night, uh, but now, at night, where presumably there's a moon, uh, we're going to not talk about moon night, and I'm going to be joined with the Zuzuzu gang, the Capes and Caverns crew uh, for, uh, for uh, I guess, uh, musical part two. But what I think of is uh, the caverns are alive with the sound of musicals. <laughs> for a thousand years. So, yeah. Oh, I just uh, came up with a new musical to talk about during this intro, and I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling go. my friends but earlier yeah, that uh, I was recording this episode, and I was like, well, we started out with just episode one, and now we're doing a part two, but, like, don't tell me it's not going to be a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, uh, I think it could continue. Uh, Marshall Danny of the Greater Fuzzball Territories is like, dude, that's my favorite shit you got, you've done in such a long time. Like, don't let <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Nice. This one's for you, Danny. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yes, yes. Marshall Daniel. He's like, howdy. <laughs> well, howdy, dear. So, uh, yeah, we're back for uh, we're back for a second go at musicals because we had so much fun the first time. We did not talk about everything we had planned. And yes, uh, yes, yes. that's all me jibber-jabbing to say, uh, I am your host, Joe the Wookie Riot. But introduce yourself, Caverns crew. We can start off with world-famous podcaster, Mm-hmm. Stephen Thomas, he of the responsibility for this entire hijinks anyways. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Stephen, or in many places, Silver underscore Bulette. Uh, you can find my material either on YouTube or Twitch, where I run Capes and Caverns. And as the Wookiee mentioned, I am also responsible for a podcast that is All the Webs of Stage, which is a short play podcast where... I still need to talk the Wookiee into coming on at some point and performing something, but I've had everybody else on this call on at some point, and it's been delightful. So that's me. Hi. (laughs) Like I said, uh, every other Monday night, starting from this Monday, I'm ostensibly available, provided the boy goes to sleep. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) I mean, I guess he'll fall asleep eventually. It's just a matter of whether or not he'll fall asleep in a timely manner. Oh, he, he, he finally gave up. Uh, he's I'm looking at him on the monitor, but like I what, I laid him down like a half hour ago and finally was like, here it goes. And he laughed at me as I laid him down. <laughs> and then like I, I had the volume on and he was like telling a story and it included the word daddy. And it was he was having a good time. And then he Aww. got up and he like looked at the camera with his little glowing raccoon eyes and <laughs> smiled and then laid back down. And I'm like, oh, mischief, mischief, mischief. I'm telling you, there's, there was a stealth and deception checks that were just natural ones from that child this, tonight. 
I, I, I just obviously his favorite musical is Sweeney Todd and the, the words mischief. Mm. <laughs> That's uh, fair. Yeah. But uh, he grabbed his little stuffed triceratops and he wrapped himself in a blanket, which is weird behavior. And uh, <laughs> ostensibly, he's asleep right now. Um, I don't know how else anyone goes to sleep. That's how I fall asleep, grabbing my triceratops and wrapping myself up in a blanket. I don't know. I mean, it's better than the reverse. If he grabbed his blanket up and then wrapped himself in a triceratops, I'd be disturbed. Whoa. I mean, if he had a triceratops he was capable of doing that with, he'd probably do it. He probably would try it. (laughs) Yeah, I literally, because we were, and I'm like, oh my god, like, I want to write the musical about the dad trying to lay down his toddler. (laughs) Honestly, that could be a hysterical one act. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's a definite song in there. Right? Oh. That I want to hear. You know I want to hear the power bell. That's the lullaby from that. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I, like, if anything, I learned from your good man Charlie Brown. Like, where did that little dog go? Like, you could, you could definitely do something heartrending. Oh yeah. Yeah. Soft and warm, Snoopy, can't you see? Growing up to be. <laughs> I've never seen that full musical. Samuel Jackson's uh, kids book in that. <laughs> right. Ooh, or just or just uh, Sir Patrick Stewart reading me poems. Oh. Hello, this is Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm interested in reading you some poetry this evening. Wait, Joe, you got Sir Patrick Stewart on this call with us? I would have dressed <laughs> I, better. I know we're not seeing I, each other, but I would have dressed better. I spared no expense. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so we got Stephen. Who else? Hey, uh, I think uh, Benjamin Blue for Blue, the fourth, the Earl of Blueberries with us. Oh, yeah, that's me. I mean, I really don't need any introductions, I think, because I'm always here. So, hi. That's yeah. Hi. And in fact, Blue, your beautiful wife told me today at work, you know, it's so nice of my husband to let you on his podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I got to spend a lot of quality time with, with your beautiful uh, beloved, and she just... What a witty, what a witty lady. <laughs> she, she always said brings to it. tell you something. I don't. I don't remember what it, it was. She probably said was that if she... I looked like her, I'd Yeehaw. be a sexy beast. Oh, she said to tell you what's up, you sexy beast. That's what she said. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which is a, a great callback from our 45 minutes at exit this morning. It was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. When you, when you see your lovely wife, you're like, hey, sexy beast. The sexy beast says hi. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And now you can wonder all about it. <laughs> That's right, actually wow, forty five minutes. There you go. Yeah, well yeah, opening opening thunder. Like rotations take a moment. Mm. I remember those times. Yeah. And uh you've heard you've heard the lady voice, Cameron Jackson. Hello, <laughs> yes. Mm, feminine. <laughs> such, such a handsome voice uh, this is this is absolutely true i have a little bit of vocal fry right now um not from any ailment but simply because i have been very active and working over the last few days um so the effect on my uh the the erogenous centers of my vocal cords is very high this evening so prepare yourselves Everybody see. 
He's also been singing Oh Death con- constantly since last night for some reason. What is this that I can see? I'm like, what is me? I'm glad you clarified the word because all I heard was Oh Death Cunt. <laughs> I was like, that is the, the British version. It's a little more graphic. <laughs> I was like, wow. We went straight for that Different word. Time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said we were allowed to curse. Fun. What did you expect? <laughs> I'm we going are. to say poppycock on this. Oh, oh my. <laughs> as long as we don't disparage the Romani people, we're good. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the last voice, the the other lady voice, none other than uh, the goober themselves, Autumn. Hello, it's me, <laughs> Autumn Gaberski. Hello. Hello. I can't tell the difference. It's... I I think that it's rather challenging to figure it out. I have many leather-bound books. <laughs> My apartment's filled with rich mahogany. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to work on, like, my lower, deeper, like, deeper, deeper voice. And every time I do it, I just sort of end up shouting up in a cronk. And I hate it. <laughs> I'm so, like... Oh yeah, it's all coming together. Yeah. Oh, it's all I mean, I, I he's got enough. I also go straight to him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. When you try to do your D voice, just so like hats, glasses, these little guys, welcome to Soren. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget these puppies. <laughs> That's like that's like the best that's like the best part about that ride is that intro video. Nice work, pal. I lo- I just like I love the it. The snark so towards an eight year old is just amazing. There. It's so good. And my then, favorite uh, thing. Oh, go do it. No, no, nothing. And I was like, then you get to soar around the world, and the whole time you're like, gosh, I really miss his voice. It smells like the. Ocean. I just love that they they got rid of like the words over California. So like he's like. Welcome to Soren, and he does this weird thing with like his face, and then comes back in, and you're like, definitely cut out two words, well, but okay. And like, <laughs> Soren opened over in Florida around the same time as Soren over California, right? I feel like they recorded oh, yeah. those two things separately, and Patrick recorded the first the calif over California first, and he felt like something was missing. I think that's <laughs> the face he's making. Oh, maybe. <laughs> He's like, I'm supposed to say something else there. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all to say musicals. Mm-hmm. Musicals. Uh, if you if you miss if you if you missed the first part of the podcast, uh, it was it's pretty solid and fun and gravy. Uh, I think all of us enjoyed ourselves very much. But this, since it's part two, if you want to hear about uh, Stephen Sondheim's Gypsy, West Side Story, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, uh, and Sweeney Todd again, because there were two people that talked about it, you go there or South Pacific, Rent, Hunchback, Fiddler on the Roof were the greatest showmen. We talked about all those as well. And uh, there was more that we wanted to discuss. So here we are. By the way, that episode, if you're trying to go back and catch it real quick before listening to this one or go back afterwards. It's episode 290. Yeah. I just look. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> thank you, Sarah. That's, that's why you're world famous podcaster. Stephen look, just, on air. just got all that info <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Although honestly talking to, to one of my good friends at work, Matt, he was like, yeah, you've been doing that little podcast for a while. And I was like, almost seven years. And he said, almost seven years. Wow. 
<laughs> wow, dude. Your kid is yeah. in like second. Like this podcast is in second grade. Dude, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I'm only doing this despite your dead boyfriend. Uh, good for you. I think about that all the time, that Sean was just like, you know what? I don't really feel like this is that good of an idea for a podcast. Who knows if you're really going to keep up with it? I'm going to go invest in these other podcasts and these other people, and then they're not going to do what they said, and then you're going to do. I just like, it makes me think that, you know, if he was ever going to get into like doc or anything like that it would be like sean no maybe this isn't your best uh this isn't your best quality i mean to his credit like while while he was still on this earth uh he did say that he was impressed that i'd kept up with it and i was like thanks buddy and then like you know there are weeks where i'm like maybe i don't and i was like "Ah, maybe i do it's not that hard like sean (laughs) sean would shrug and be like way to go way to way to keep the stupid up Right, yeah, at this point, too, he I'm pretty sure he very much regretted not <laughs> producing this show, quote-unquote. Um, yeah. So I think he was very proud of you. Yeah, so, of you. yeah, if if anything, the, the, the butthead inspired it. Uh, he got me on his own, and it, it continues. And like me and Blue have said over and over, it, it just gives us a damn reason to get together with our friends and talk about oh, yeah. good stuff. Uh, and when we're all old and we don't sound like ourselves, we've got recordings of all of our antics and us saying the C word. <laughs> so, yeah. Back in the good yeah. old days. That's going to be a problem when I run for president, and then, yep. Oh. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> podcast is going to be the reason that we unearthed <laughs> this podcast where he did I'm not sorry, did they go back to Transatlantic in the future? Heals <laughs> <laughs> the news. Ah, this just in. This keep just your in. It's the future. The you keep your eye on the globe. Well, looks like this is oh, just got up. Don't don't mention These that segment. I'm so sad it's missing now. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. <laughs> you know what? We're never gonna get the musicals if we keep going. So it's true. Uh, it's true. Uh, we're I, I don't I don't care. I love talking to y'all, but uh, we <laughs> should we should uh, should get into uh get into the music. I'm sure we'll digress completely at many other points <laughs> so th- that is all to say uh, the first thing we were going to talk about friends i, I was going to make steven do all this but i guess i felt <laughs> guilty that i made him run the show last time uh, uh the show that we know has problems but that we like for some reason anyway how and uh blue we thought he had accidentally done that the last time and not realized it but then apparently he had four musicals when we were all supposed to bring three so we're gonna start off with uh my beloved my blue What's the show you know has problems, but you like anyways? Who's doing extra credit is what you're saying. I guess, yeah. Yeah, he's doing extra credit. My show that uh, I felt had problems, um, uh, but (laughs) I liked anyway, was The Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I guess guess also the, um, what was it? The the first one I did was The uh, uh, Greatest Showman, which also had problems because I was very upset with the fact that this is a very great show about a very fake human being, but uh, mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera also had a lot of. I was like, as a kid, I was like, oh man, this is really cool. Like the Phantom is like he he's underground and he's uh, he's so like like misunderstood. And, and oh, he's so misunderstood. But he's not. He's a douchebag. He's a complete freaking manipulative asshole. And uh, as I have grown, I have learned. And I went, oh, oh, you're not supposed to be rooting for the Phantom. <laughs> uh, oh. oh. 
I get it. <laughs> uh, well, here's a, here's a true story, da- uh, Daniel. It, it's I I like Blue. Um, didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to be a big fan. Um, and so much um, so that uh, this is a true story. I dressed as the Phantom for my junior prom. There are <laughs> pictures out there of me half masking everything. And I thought I was the coolest person in the entire world. <laughs> and you easily were at that time. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, but did you have a Christine? I mean, I had a Wait date, a minute. That's pretty good. That's what happened did to my Did she stick date. with you the whole Damn time, or did she leave you oh, at dear. the very end of the night to go and hang out with some other person? Well, there was that one guy from across that was like, Sail, spend with me one, love, one lifetime. And I'm like, hey, uh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> This is my musical, okay? It says Phantom of the Opera. It doesn't say random guy who is also around but isn't the Phantom. That's a bad name for a musical. I mean, Cameron, I just, I just love the idea of you walking into like prom and it's like flash of mob, spice of puce, fool and king, ghoul and pose, green and black, queen and priest, face of rouge, face of beast, here's to us. Here's the thing. I was doing that, but I went to a rural school in the middle of central California um, where not only did they not know who the Phantom was, they were just so used to my antics that they just didn't acknowledge it at that point. <laughs> they didn't even they realize. They were pretty it was convinced like you were character. cosplaying as the Mask of the Red Death, and they were very concerned for that you. That also is an educated reference I would not give to that Friday Night Lights <laughs> holiday town. Jeez. I just want to know if you stopped and stared at the sea of smiles around you. <laughs> I, I love, I love Masquerade. Like, oh God, that's a song I spent way too much time learning the lyrics to. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Blue, aside from even realizing too late that <laughs> you weren't supposed to like Phantom, what, what what else about this makes you realize that you shouldn't like it? Well, I mean, there was, um, other than the fact that it was a problematic story uh the more like the the older i got as i started looking back at the at the entire show as a whole um they made a part two i don't know yes if you they did <laughs> they made a part two and it got worse yeah <laughs> we so, didn't think it was possible yeah neither did i <laughs> but it got worse. was andrew lloyd weber involved in the second, second he, he wrote it i think uh, yeah i think he i'm pretty sure he wrote it yeah so I was having, I was actually having a chat with my wife about it, and she was like, "You liked what?" And I, I, was, like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I know, I did, I know." And she, was like, it's very problematic. I'm like, I'm, I'm aware. Thank you. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, she was like, "You didn't like part two, though." I was like, "Oh no, no, yeah." Listen, uh, as a, like an avid fan of Firefly in the 2000s. I can't, I don't have the room to judge any other anybody else for their fandoms. So, yeah. I feel like you just alienated half of the fan base by that statement, Stephen. <laughs> Here's that's the thing. Fair. It's, he, he's he's right, and I'll tell you why he's right with the realization okay, tell me. I had very recently. Um, these are a group of people of that are our main characters that um fought in a war and lost. And now hang on to the legacy 
of what they did before by flying the same flags and wearing the same uniforms from their time serving the opposition of the main government of the area. It is Confederate glory ship. And when you look at it from that perspective, it's not a great show. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be honest with you. We're talking about the second one still. So. Wait, of Firefly or of the Phantom of the Opera? Well, oh, I'm, I'm on Firefly. Firefly. Oh, okay, great. I just want to make sure we were on <laughs> the, the same ship here. <laughs> I've never finished Firefly, which I feel like gives me bad nerd cred. Um, <laughs> I've no. seen, yeah, I've seen the first couple of episodes and I was like, wow, Nathan Fillion is great in this. And so is everybody else. And I'll watch this eventually. <laughs> but now I'm worried that if I watch it, I'm going to get, you know, all mystified by the Confederate <laughs> propaganda. No, that's like, it, it's... What? No, it's not. I, it's, I'm, it's not I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. It's, it's not even so much that it's... Cameron is right. Apparently, like, if Firefly had continued, there is a potential that, like it would get worse that direction. I don't think it gets so bad oh, like that Phantom. that's the problem. But, I mean, just in, Joss Whedon in general is a bad person, and his yeah, name you know, is heavily attached to that. It was sad because it, there was such a period of time where everyone was like, wow, Joss Whedon is so cool. He's such a feminist. And then we realized that the people who were saying that were also men. Yep. Whoops. Right. <laughs> and weirdly enough, yeah. um, that is a wonderful uh, preview for my problematic musical we'll get to in a moment <laughs> I mean, it, on, on the podcast we've essentially we we talked all about Whedon and we're like resign him to the depths and I'm just glad we clarified because uh having not seen the second phantom iteration I was very confused that all of a sudden it had confederate <laughs> <laughs> I was like wow, wow. He, he just went a whole different road with that didn't he <laughs> so uh, no, he goes after he goes after what's her what's her name's like daughter, uh, right? Uh, daughter, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's skeevy. It's, yeah. pre- it's pretty gross. And, and, and it, like I said, it just gets worse. And then maybe if he was like, an actual ghost, maybe if he was like an actual phantom who was stuck in time and stuck in an emotional thing, but he's just like a dude who lives. Yeah, in a he's sewer. just a guy. Yeah. I have a question, an honest question now that I need to answer because nobody on this call is going to know the answer. But I have to know if okay. Phantom of the Opera 2 came out after Twilight because I do, I'm just reminded oh, of like the end of the Twilight more, series with this whole. Oh, yeah. Yep, it, it was definitely What's her name? Oh, uh, 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 the Nessie. Nessie. That's right. What? They named their daughter Nessie? <laughs> you named my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> she was conceived on Loch Ness. Ness. Monster. Wait, y'all. Oh. It was Love Never Dies was published in 2010. Mm. Yeah. But Twilight came before it. I feel like Andrew Lloyd Webber watched Twilight and was like, yes, this is how I we resolve this story. <laughs> okay, so you just said that Love Never Dies, and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that there was a Phantom of the Opera 2. And then I'm now realizing that a friend of mine recommended it to me, yeah. and <laughs> now I'm sincerely... <laughs> Not like regretting my relationship with this person as much as I'm questioning their judgment <laughs> at all. I'm, I mean, if seen through like the rose tinted lenses of Phantom, because Blue, you are not alone. Like I, I recognize the problems and I love Phantom. I saw it when it was just at the Pantages, like before you know pre Panini. Mm-hmm. So 
like I, I get that. I mean, when I was when I was young, me and my cousin Meredith like staged a puppet show to the soundtrack. Oh my gosh, why are you so adorable? <laughs> like in like when we were in Long Island, like in the living room of our like beach house, we we like made like puppets and like staged the whole thing and like sang the different roles. And I definitely, my mom took me to see it when Michael Crawford was the Phantom in L.A. Mm. Like, oh, wow. yeah, so like. Lots of lots of fond memories, but uh, I guess sort of like other greatest showmen, I just uh, I let him be the freak that deserves to terrorize people. <laughs> so, so okay, there you go. And I, I even I even don't despise the movie version of it. So yeah, I, I know that Joe said puppets, not Muppets. But quick question: Am I wrong <laughs> for casting the Swedish Chef as the other love interest? What Raul? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Raul. <laughs> Schmergy, bergy, bergen, bergen, bergen. <laughs> birdie, I mean, now, birdie, in, birdie, in this version, birdie, birdie, birdie. Fo- following the rules of casting, is Christine the one human that we leave for the show? Because oh, yeah. I would like to suggest Animal Only... for the casting of Phantom. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like I like that. I, I would almost say the maestro maybe is the one yeah. human. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets it, along and he gets along with uh uh what's his name in and Waldorf. I mean Stadler and Stadler Waldorf are definitely yeah. the theater yeah. owners that are selling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'd watch that. I, I would as well. <laughs> definitely hey, the show <laughs> here that happened at the, the last performance was so terrible. You wanna watch it? How terrible was it? <laughs> the Phantom killed a guy. Marley and Marley. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, <laughs> put your mask back on. Oh. <laughs> they would, but they don't leave this show. They just go up to the balcony and yeah, have, oh yeah, they just go up it, to the balcony and continue to make their peanut jabs. <laughs> We're writing it. It's genius. <laughs> it's genius. What there's a gosh, what's that? What's that movie with the Dracula? Music? I mean, I sort of, I want the Phantom to be deadly, but uh, you know, I just I'm fond of that British dragon. Yeah. So understandable. Yeah, and I, I I'd like to see Deadly sing uh you know music of the night. <laughs> that would be, they'd, they'd probably make it Fozzie Bear, and that would make me sad. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so quick question: Which uh, show is the next one we're gonna muppetize? That's that's what we're here to do, right? Uh, I think oh no, wait, Cam- Cameron like straight sweet teased his uh his next musical. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just like go to him and find out which one gets muppetized next? I did yeah. tee it up. Ah, uh, you may not want to muppet this one. Um, <laughs> Spring Awakening. Is that this is the musical that I enjoy parts of, but also deserves hate. Um, which is very true. Uh, in this case, it is. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Ooh, um, what a which, divisive opinion. Yes. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, this is a very strange musical that came out during the 2008-ish writer's strike in Hollywood um, yeah. and was helmed by the uh, dastardly Whedon, as previously mentioned, uh, also associated with Firefly. Um, the problem is, it's a pretty good musical, and <laughs> it's got a really good cast. It also stars Nathan Fillion. It has Neil mm-hmm. Patrick Harris in the lead role. Felicia Day plays in it. 
Um, and the music is wonderful and underappreciated. It was released as a three-part series. Uh, it comes out to about 45 minutes long and packs a lot of musical into it. Um, however, yucky person at the top, and it makes me not want to like it anymore. <laughs> Yucky person at the top, and the more I think about it, the more I realize it is a story glorifying an incel, and I don't... Oh, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. just... That uh, is true. I absolutely <laughs> believe that and know that. It's what... Because Dr. Horrible, yeah, he's, like, in love with this girl who he doesn't actually know anything mm-hmm. about or care to know anything about her. He's just nope. in love with her. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I like so much about that musical in particular is even by the end of the mu- like by the end of the musical, our main character is not the hero or even the villain that he wanted to be. Yep. You know, because yeah. he's it's very like Mega Mind movie esque in that like our main character wants to be a villain, wants to be a bad guy, and by the end of it, you're like, oh, maybe he'll have a change of heart, and then you know, no spoilers or anything, but he doesn't get what he wants. And no one gets what they want by the end of that musical. And I love that shit, man. I love it when I'm watching a musical and by the end of it, I'm like, oh, everyone is unhappy. I'm like, wow, that's so realistic. (laughs) It does have one of the best twist result endings for the character um, Uh in in a way that you you would it would be difficult to see coming, which is difficult to do in a musical because so much of them are. You know, by rote, uh, that mm. you're, you're kind of following the trope of it, but right, so yeah, it subverts up, yeah. the trope of it. Um, I and mean, the music is I've phenomenal. I've seen like the, the first is act, phenomenal. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I watched the, the first like, act and didn't know what I was watching, and I stopped. No, fair enough. I I also yeah. loved it to the point where fun story time. Ooh, story uh, time. Back in 2011, no, 2010. I went to a cattle call call audition in Seattle (laughs) in which I knew I didn't need to get a part because I was going back on the road for a traveling children's theater. So I went in with material that I just wanted to have fun with. One of those things was I decided to sing Laundry Day from Dr. Horrible. I sang that after doing my monologues. I got to two words before I was prepared to finish singing. So I was almost at the end anyways, but the person called time on me. And audibly, when I got cut off, you could hear the entire auditorium go, aww. (laughs) I was like, I've won. Wait, this is not the one I wanted to win. I didn't need to be here. I wanted to do the best thing. (laughs) That's funny. And the uh, the other thing that happened, though, was the piano player was very snarky. As soon as that happened, he uh, turned to the audience and said, well, looks like the timekeeper also has a freeze ray. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, right. Like, this guy's got a lot of Saskin in him. And... <laughs> He'd heard a lot of songs uh... that day. I'm sure he was just feeling punchy i don't know <laughs> you know when, when enough kids come up to you and say hey can you transpose this to the next key up i wasn't able to find the right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's you just you lose you lose patience real quick yeah. understandable absolutely all right uh cameron any other things you need to touch on about i mean aside from joss not being a good person and aside from the fact that ultimately the story is about an incel uh, is there any other things we need to touch on about why we should be like, what, what, 
is there something that we are just missing? I guess is what I'm asking. Oh, he left. Oh no. We he lost was so wow, he was he was so upset by this so upset. follow-up question. He was, he was <laughs> like, "No." It's a terrible follow-up question, I know. Did his internet die? Th- that is possible. He uh, th- that th- that uh, that household has internet struggles. It's very bizarre. I will talk about something about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog that is problematic and uh, perhaps Cameron will bring up when he comes back. Um, so Felicity Day plays the love interest of Dr. Horrible. Um, and I don't remember her name because she is one of the um, most boring written female characters <laughs> I've heard, seen in a musical in a long time. And it's really unfortunate because they actually write out like kind of an interesting character, but she's only an interesting character, at least in my opinion, or at least how it feels in the writing of the show or the musical or the whatever it's called, the sing-along blog. Um that she's only interesting as a foil to Dr. Horrible because Dr. Horrible is this villain and he wants to destroy the world and he wants to do bad things. And the laundry day song, I think is where they have like, it's like a a duet back and forth where he's basically singing about how all human beings are horrible and and um, how they should, they deserve to be destroyed. And she's on the opposite end of the spectrum where she believes that humanity at its core is good and that the world ultimately will lead to positive things and that we should all care for each other. And it's like, they do such an interesting job of establishing her as a character who could be really interesting. And then time and time again, throughout the entire course of the musical, She's just never allowed to do anything or succeed in any of her goals. And it's frustrating to watch this character be a lamp for the majority of the Mm. show Mm. when she's so clearly written to be capable and yet they don't allow her to do so. And there's part of it that you could be like, oh, well, it's like it's an ironic thing where she's constantly being saved by Captain Hammer and blah, 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 and all this stuff. But it's yeah. frustrating to watch this incel yeah, it, be in love with a woman who's obviously so strong, but then being written by an incel so they never get to do anything throughout the show. And then there's some tropes at the end that they subvert, but also, like, still drive headfirst into these tropes of, like, oh, something bad has to happen to the main female character for the main male character to feel anything. I think the mm. trope is called The Wife in the Freezer. Is that like, uh, oh, yeah, 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 that the only yep. way that the male character can, you know, become better or d- different is that they have to find their wife dead in a freezer. So that way they have revenge, you know, as their their motivator, blah, 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 as well as other options. Yep. That came from DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or Green I, Lantern's wife. It, it makes oh. it makes me want to watch like the entirety of it so I can have an opinion. I just thought oh, it was like yeah. a Patrick Harris. <laughs> Yeah. It's really good, too. And then, you know what? Honestly, the story is fantastic because at the end of the story, at least in my opinion, you're you don't really like anybody in their oh. own way. And it, it's so interesting to me when you watch a musical or really any form of media where the main characters are not that likable, but you want to see what happens to them. And I think the musical really helps propel the story along of not having these particularly um, 
I guess, like, standard heroes or heroes that you want to root for, you know? Yeah. But the music carries the story along in a way that makes it so fun and so interesting and does make you care for them, even if you don't like them. Um, I think it's a really good musical, and it has a lot of problems to it, but it it would be nice to believe that the problems, quote-unquote, about the musical were more, like, social commentary meta kind of stuff mm-hmm. but i don't think they were intended as such but then yeah. you get to a separate okay. discussion of can you separate the art and what it could mean from the intention and the people you know so that's another episode I mean, it, it looks like it's available to stream through amazon prime so if you're already giving bezos mm-hmm. your money you're not giving whedon any extra money he's already been paid yeah. um so yeah uh, you know, put it on a list of lists. <laughs> uh, it does seem like Dr. Horrible was watching our uh, our, our live recording and booted Cameron <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Horrible that, like, how dare jo- you? J- Joss Whedon has had me on his list ever since we, like, talked so shitty about him. And yep. uh, he was like, oh, I'll show you. I'll get rid of the best voice. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Wow, Joss Whedon picking a man over yep. a woman for best voice. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Whedon. Uh, yeah. So anyway. But, uh, um, maybe maybe Cameron can join back, but he does say we're supposed to insert something witty in a sultry tone whenever there's a pause. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Like, nope, I've got nothing. I don't, I don't nothing know. Nothing witty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I leave that to Blue. He's the other dulcet-toned <laughs> man I, voice. I could just go with a... Nailed it. <laughs> well, we already covered that Autumn can uh, take over for Cameron, so we just we'll just let Autumn do the yeah the deep voiced witticisms. That seems right. Yes, we'll uh, yeah. carry on with the deep voiced witticisms down here. Come on down, let's go and see the deepest witticisms that ever did wit down here at the side of the Mississippi. Squeaker squeak squeaking squeak squeak. Squeaker squeak squeak squeaking. I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> Oh. The podcast. The podcast without Cameron. Cameron's non-podcast. <laughs> oh. So sad. Uh, so we've covered Cameron's uh, uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. We've talked about Blue's Phantom of the Opera. Let's move on to Autumn. Autumn, what are you bringing to the table today? Oh, man. Um, You know, I had a musical in mind. And then at the beginning of the episode, while we were doing our intro, I thought of another musical that I wanted to bring up. But now I can't remember what that musical was. So I guess (laughs) I'll just go back to my original choice. And I'm a little bothered that I can't remember something from, gosh, an hour ago. Doesn't feel like a very long time. But, you know. An hour since no, we started it had, recording? It's been like 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, even less time then. That's even worse. Um, okay, so uh, one of the musicals that I want to talk about that has some problems in it, but I still love it, uh, is Wicked. Um... I love Wicked. I have seen Wicked like five or six times on the stage. I just can't get over it, and I will see it. Because it's so good. And people love it. People love that musical. There's a reason it's been, you know, touring for like, what, 20 years or something? Because it's great and it's amazing and the sets are fantastic. But like, some of that music is not as good as everybody thinks it is. Like that last song between Glinda and Elphaba, 
like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes the sun like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the woods like what the fuck does that mean like (laughs) you know like i heard this story one time that they literally asked like children like what is it like having a best friend and then not having a best friend anymore and they were like in kindergarten they're like you know like when a seed is dropped by a sky bird yeah that's what it's like well there you go i I, I like that song so (laughs) and you know what it's funny because sometimes i like it and sometimes i don't sometimes i just think it's a little ridiculous um i'm like who can say if I've been changed Change for, for the, the better? better? Because, because I knew you. Because I knew you. you. I love that song. It's a good. So. It's a good song. It's a little heavy-handed, in my opinion. Um, but you know, I maybe it's not I even think- so much that the musical is a problem, as much as that everybody just has such a boner for it, and there's so many <laughs> other good musicals that I'm like, all right, listen, don't get me wrong, I know I've seen Wicked five times, but maybe like let's give somebody else a chance. I I, had, I saw that within the last five years because like everybody talked about it, and I knew of music, but I was like, I'm finally gonna go and went to see it at the Pantages, and mm. maybe a little bit longer. But Heather, my beloved wife was like that's my favorite musical and i was like favorite musical you say like, <laughs> and like I, I think we've seen it three times since then because i'm like oh shit if that's in town like this this is straight like sweet buttered popcorn for the missus like easy money <laughs> so, so yeah uh, i i have this yeah, weird corollary I, I haven't gotten a chance to see wicked so i don't know how i really? feel about see? it i've only se- heard the, i've heard the music have not gotten a chance to see it nor have I seen Phantom actually on stage. Oh, Phantom wow. I haven't seen because like every time I've had a chance to, it's been in Vegas and that's like a hundred dollars and I don't mm. want to spend that. So understandable. I, I haven't got to look at a timeshare, Steve. Let's <laughs> go look at a timeshare and you can go see it for free. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how that works? I didn't know. Actually, it actually uh, is. Actually, yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, but like I was gonna say, like the mentioning that like everybody just like being so excited for a thing, making it seem sort of problematic, is something that like if if everyone is hype for a movie for me, I'm not gonna enjoy it, and it's bizarre. Like, okay. and, and it works in Even reverse too. Everybody told me I was not going to enjoy Solo, and I had a good time watching Solo. Oh, okay. Well, I you're wrong about that. Me movie, but I was like, hey, it's all right. <laughs> I had to see that movie like three times in theaters. I'm over it. You're you're alone on this island, Autumn. <laughs> That's fine. I will be alone on my island where I don't have to watch that movie ever again. No, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm going to ever watch Solo again, but like I enjoyed my theater going experience. And I, it's just my brain needs me to be set up to expect nothing out of a movie. And that's sometimes it's true with musicals, too. So you're like a true hipster. True <laughs> hipster. My brain is, yes. I don't want to be that. But I'm there, yes. <laughs> I'm not, but my hipster brain, it compels me. <laughs> just won't my hipster brain is wearing flannel up there and just mocking me, and I hate it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Oh, wow, Caitlin. Cameron. Cameron has oh, Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, wow, really yeah. interesting perspective. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, actually, one thing I will say though is I I'm pretty sure I would enjoy the musical Wicked more than I enjoyed the book Wicked. The book Just, and the musical are so very different. The musical is like different. a funny retelling of Wicked, and Wicked is a dark retelling of The Wizard of Oz. Right. Yeah, and, we, and like I, it's not that I didn't enjoy the book Wicked, but like there were certain points in which there was just like supposition that took the place of plot, and I was like, well, that's not great. Well, <laughs> that's not what I came here weirder for. Weirder and weirder. Yeah, like the third book is all about the cowardly lion, and wow, it's a, it's a read. Is but, it? I've never gotten that far. Yeah. I, I've, I've read the, I, the three books. <laughs> same author. The the book that I enjoyed most from that person was um, Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister. Okay. That was an actual in, very interesting read to me anyways. Huh. And of course, based on uh, Cinderella, if that wasn't clear by the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, have heard of that book. I've never read it or seen it. Yeah, I, it's before. one of those, it, like... Wicked sounds really good. Like I said, I, I haven't gotten a chance to see the musical, but I imagine it sounds great on stage too. But I didn't enjoy the book so much to the point where I was like, well, why didn't this other book get more play that I enjoyed more? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody didn't write the book for it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what the issue is. Maybe that's your yeah, and um, because that's my calling. purpose in life. That's your calling <laughs> to take everything that you've learned and put it Put it into a show. Yeah. Yeah. God, I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. <laughs> hey, would you look at that? It's a penny. It's from the year I was born. How so many people does he need? How many boys? How many girls? Now, uh, speaking of awkward uh, musicals and transitions, sorry. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you want to go first or do you want me to talk about mine first? Um, I'll let you go because the okay. I, I, if you're still bringing up the same musical, it's one I desperately need to talk about. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm recent s- in my memory. <laughs> yes, uh, that would be, and this is awkward, a little bit awkward for me to bring up because I haven't seen this on stage either. But I enjoy the music very much, and I have the album on every device that I have music on. It is, of course, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm, now, never heard of it. Dear Evan Hansen has some really great music for a show that is about a terrible human being who I, I think the movie makes him a little bit better as a person because they recognize that he's not great in the musical. Joe, you might have to correct me on this, but you've only seen the movie version right joe correct and i had never heard a song before i saw the movie version okay i i i feel like i have heard that they did more to justify his actions in the movie than from the actual from the original musical but essentially it's about yeah evan who uh doesn't have any friends uh, well, actually, no, in the movie, he has a friend, but he still claims he doesn't have friends, which is very confusing to me. But anyway, no, he, he has a, he has a family friend. So it's like his mom's friend's son. <laughs> OK, yeah, got it. All right. Any rate. Um, yeah, so he's, we've, all, there's all, we've all known somebody like that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, just a few. It's all my friendships. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what does that say about you that that's you or the common denominator? Hmm. That he's so great? No. 
I'm not wrong. The world is wrong. Okay, Skinner. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, so Evan doesn't have any friends. This one fellow student uh, sees that he has a cast on his arm that is blank, so he offers to sign it. Uh, and Evan has also been going through therapy and writes himself these notes that start with Dear Evan Hansen. And it just so happens that Connor, the person who wrote on his arm, sees this Dear Evan Hansen note that for some reason he was photocopying uh, and takes it with him. <laughs> and then once Connor commits suicide, he had the Dear Evan Hansen note in his pocket. And then Evan just decides to roll with it because people think that he's Connor's friend. Oh, yeah. That sounds horrible. So uh, it's... <laughs> Keep going, Stephen. <laughs> I mean, it just it snowballs from there. And again, there's something really catchy music in it. And like there's there some really, really touching music, too. Like if you hear with like without the context of the actual show, you leave that all aside and you listen to the song about going to the grove, going to the the field of trees and just hanging out with a friend. It's a beautiful song. That is completely a lie. And, it, and <laughs> it, it's the start of a snowball of terrible lies. But, like, yeah. it's frustrating to be, like, listening to this music and going, oh, I love everything that this song is saying. Oh, and then there's and, – and and it's all a lie. There's also some yeah. LGBTQ so it, it, hatred in there that's – I mean – not I've actually never seen know. this musical, and I know that it's like a hugely popular musical. And I've, I, it's been around for like what, ten years, fifteen years, something like that. It's yeah. been around a long yeah. enough time, and I've like specifically avoided information about it because I was always like, oh, I've heard this is so good, I want to watch it one day. I really don't want to be spoiled. And when the movie came out, I got basically all of this the story in context, and I'm like sitting mm. here and I'm like, how did this musical win like the all those Tonys? Because the music is but the, really good. But that's what, and that's exactly what I've heard is that the music is so good. And I'm like, well, now I got to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So if if you have the Hibbo Max Autumn, you can watch the movie. Mm. And I, I have asked some people like, you know, like you've seen the musical, like, is it worth it? And they're like, you know, it was, it was a pretty good version. Other than the fact that the original actor still plays Dear Evan Hansen, but now he's 28. So, <laughs> and he, but you know, he has a young enough face that I wasn't pulled out of it. Cause like not the first time I've seen Tobey Maguire play Peter Parker. You know what I mean? Sorry, it took me a second to get that. I just like, don't understand the, the makeup choice. I, I, I don't have an objection because as you said, like actors play way beyond the age they should be playing and i can accept that but i'd like i every time i've seen footage from that movie i'm like what did they do to his face though and doesn't do look like his that face? Yeah, it looks like it was originally published 2015 i'm trying to find when like the the music came out so it's not that old but it's like within the last decade yeah uh, i think like and it, it started like off broadway and other places and then found its way to broadway and then won all the tonys like in its first year and it stayed on broadway like the only reason it stopped was covid and now it's coming to the amundsen here in la so and i'm, I'm curious i'm like interested in going to see it like just to see like a live version of it versus mm. the movie um, Ooh, i'd be really interested should, in seeing that we should all go we should do that a capes and caverns field trip Oh my God! Yes. Some of us are gonna have to go a little further than others, but yes. 
three of us, three of us can make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but so seeing the movie, like, yes, everything Steven said is right, but like, it's so, so Evans dealing with like his own like anxiety, depression, like he's got like some Asperger's going on too and the actor apparently like made sure to show, himself show more Evan, than right? no, no, the kid who no. kills himself is Connor Connor oh. and so Evan has a crush on Zoe who's Connor's sister who he's never talked to right he's just a high school girl that he loves and he sees everything she does but he's never talked to her he's a creep but then right. Connor is her anti-social brother who's like strung out on drugs although they don't really show that too well in the movie and like long story short like he screams at evan at one point and then like he signs the cast sort of to be like an asshole he's like now we both have a friend and then like uh evan has printed the notes to take to a psychiatrist then he finds that he sees his sister name and he freaks out and he runs off and next thing evan knows he's being called in the principal's office to meet connor's dead parents so but in the movie it's wait he met connor's dead parents yeah so his his yeah. parents find the, the parents are alive Connor, connor's on dead. connor's body <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah sorry Anyways. I'm just, but yeah so they, they, they find the note and they don't know anything about their antisocial angry son who was strung out on drugs and they like the mom clings to this idea that he had a friend mm-hmm. that he wrote a note like he wrote a suicide note to his friend and like yes Evan perpetuates this entire lie but it sort of starts off like sweet where he's just like he doesn't want to say awful things about like he's like ah, I, w- I need to give him some sort of solace and that's where that song that steven was talking about comes in but the problem is like he lets the lie like continue and it makes his life better and he right. does he does like get the girl of his dreams for a while you know what i mean and and like he creates fake emails between him and the dead kid like <laughs> yes i have heard that song yeah and it but it continuously has this like really great music and in the movie they flesh out some characters that weren't fleshed out apparently in the show uh and like they don't show him as evil and they take out one or two songs i guess that make him his motives a little less gray uh but the one thing i'll say like it's it's not a happy movie it's not like at the end everything's great you know in the movie did they sing about a glove a baseball glove uh, no, but there is a scene with the ba- the baseball glove. So that that scene doesn't make him seem bad. I I I think just people despise that song enough that it got pulled from the movie. Oh, wow. it's it's just like the the entire time, like you you sort of like it's going and you're like, God, he just ah, oh, he's just in this and he needs to stop this, but like it's not stoppable. And now more people are going to be hurt when it stops, and it just keeps going, and you just it's you're just popcorn in the mouth just like watching this train wreck as it progresses but isn't that like everything you watch on television nowadays so i'm just like i don't i mean in the end like it's not like oh it's all wine and roses for evan hansen you're just like okay it's over and i have some complex feelings i just know so many people have like real hatred and and bile for this musical despite the good songs and i finished the movie and i was like i sort of enjoyed that like (laughs) like i don't think any of the characters are like that great maybe other than like zoe but like i i enjoyed it i enjoyed the music like i would watch it again and i'm like i am i'm conflicted with these happy feelings <laughs> so yeah and like I, I me and heather started watching it because i was like i felt guilty i watched it without her and we only stopped because we were both tired and we're like we'll definitely pick this back up and i was like see the music's good enough to get you in 
So I mean, I I guess beyond anything else, the reality of like the musical manages to get you away from this pretty early, but like Zoe mentions in uh uh the Requiem, I will sing no Requiem song, how awful her brother was to her and to yeah. their entire family. And then Evan gaslights everybody into thinking Connor was actually a misunderstood and great person. So I think that's the real problem with the story of just being like, oh, no, we're going to celebrate this villain and pretend he's a hero. But but it's all it's all from a point of view, because I I mean, yes, I think in the play, it's much clearer that his motives are all about getting Zoe and the movie. The motives are more about like softening all these like negative feelings and giving somebody like a fiction to cling on to and feel better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. And so I think I think the movie like softens some of the edges. And I don't know if that's for the good or the bad. I would like to see the show like the way it was presented and have an opinion there. Um yeah. but I mean, yeah, I, I didn't hate it. And I was like, okay, I'm prepared for some complicated discussions with some people in the future. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really ready to put my friendships to the test. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. I mean, like the the thing about it is that I'm still I I have the soundtrack. They're not going to make any money off of it if it turns out they like Joss Whedon or awful people or something strange like that. Wait, I'm Joss Whedon still listening to some of the songs. I'm just I I do, and that's why it's in this category. I enjoy the music. I'm gonna listen to the music. The house felt so big and I felt so small. Is like tear jerking. And it's yeah. beautiful. And so I'm going to keep listening to it. But I just recognize there are some problems. Yeah. If you ever wanted to hear Julianne Moore, like, sing speak, it happens in the movie. So. Oh, Julianne yeah. Moore. Cool. Yeah. Plays Evan's mom in the movie. Is, oh, is she Evan's mom? I thought she was Connor's mom. She's Evan's mom? Evan's mom. No, okay. Amy Adams is Connor's mom. Oh, what? Right. Amy Adams? Right. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, she tore my heart apart with a portrayal of of connor's mom so like yeah i everybody was committed to it and the music was lovely and the story it's a train wreck but like that's sort of like what makes a good story yeah like so and i and i get like not entertained oh when you're when you're dealing with mental illness and when you're dealing with like you know the little bit of lgbtq that's in there and like the gaslight and all that like all those things are like touchy subjects but, like, I, d- I don't know what the perfect, like, it's going to piss somebody off because it's so, like, subjective a thing the way you, like, your feelings are valid. And, like, like it, touching everybody's feelings the right way is difficult. And I, I just want to correct my own words from a little bit earlier ago. It's not LGBTQ hate so much as it's a 90s joke that made it into a 2014 musical is yeah. really the problem. It was it was the Seinfeld, but not that there's anything wrong with that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And but those things still pop up in real life. Just the other day at work, there was somebody made a joke about fairies and involved Disney and cast members that are gay. And I was just like, oh, my God, that shit still exists. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) oh, yeah. I I I heard some not great words the other day. Uh. I uh, decided to, um, uh, for Pride this year, I'm going to be uh, painting my fingernails in support. Uh, so I tried to decided to test it out. And by that, I mean, I thought May was Pride Month, stupidly, for a hot second. Um, mm-hmm. any rate, somebody saw my uh, fingernails on the road and shouted a not great term at me as they drove past. 
So I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that's yeah, that's why I'm gonna do this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, currently my my hair is quite long, and I every once in a while there's the the little boy that's like, look at that that man with the girl hair, and I <laughs> I quickly turn to them and say, Thor hair. Thor hair. <laughs> and the kid's like, yes, God of Thunder. <laughs> nice. So. All right, but that's enough about Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, and, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed that more than I think I was supposed to, and I'll I'll admit that. But like, I can't change the fact that I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And now, I, Joe, you're going to talk about cats, right? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I actually I have a twofer. Uh, the the first musical I would like to talk about is not Cats. Uh, it is Aww. it is uh, a movie that I know has some serious problems, but I love the shit out of it anyways, and it's Hamilton. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, Hamilton by Lin Manuel Miranda is a phenom. The the music, the rapping, the songs, like everything about it. Like I own the soundtrack before I finally got to see, I finally got to see it through Disney Plus. You know what I mean? Like when they Ooh, did yeah, that. Yeah, nice. It's such a beautiful, like, I wish they would do every musical like that. Like, please and thank you. You want to create a separate streaming site, and I'd probably pay a, a reasonable amount of money to have access to, like, musicals, like, on demand. But uh, Speaking okay. of just real quick before I forget, uh, did anyone catch Come From Away when, like, this oh was... Oh, my God, so good. So good. It, it like, they, they broadcast it in a similar way, but, like, for opening night Ooh. after... um. Uh, they met pandemic protocols and could open up again, which was really neat. Anyway, sorry, I distracted. Not. Back to him. <laughs> I did not. But so, but here's the problem. I'm a historian, and ah. and while while I'm I'm very fond of people like finding like a a character from history that's misunderstood. I also realized that the entire book was based on uh, somebody who some people will call a historian. Ron Chernow does a lot of good work. He's written a lot of good books. He's won a lot of prizes. Uh, a historian he is not because he's not really? classically trained as a historian like he cites stuff but he he also he also has ideas that aren't like based in sources and like there's there's so so basically what hamilton does is creates this fiction of the immigrant story in america and hamilton the original immigrant you know what i mean who fought slavery and 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 you know all this but the problem is that's not who alexander hamilton is uh, Alexander Hamilton, there's documents that show him to be quite racist and quite privileged and quite against the immigrant story. Uh, and and it creates this lovely fiction where you, you can be and like you literally take you take white founding father history, recast it with people of color and it becomes their history. But the problem is that history is still not for them. It's people against them. But now it's your history and everything's OK. And there's a true problematic nature with that. As much as I love it, I'm like, oh, God. Like, Lin-Manuel Miranda drank some Chernow Kool-Aid and uh, and told a story that is working at cross-purposes to what should really be going on. And before someone read, like, oh, here we go, Wookiee with this critical race theory. Yeah, sorry, yeah. fans. Um, Heck yeah, listen, critical race listen theory. If you listen to damn podcast, um, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not your father's historian. I'm my what own is, kind. But like, I love that. And one of the things there, that I there's... heard somebody, I was watching an interview of someone, and I'm not sure exactly who they were, because this is quite a few years ago. This was before the Pinini. But they were talking about that specific concept of, like, taking white history and casting people of color in those white roles actually does a disservice to people of color in a lot of tor- forms of history, because there were so many significant 
historical figures of color that aren't having their stories be told. We're just once again telling right. the white narrative. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like, I do celebrate like representation and diversity and I, I love all these actors getting do their you? chance. Do you? I, I do. I do. <laughs> Wait, like it, 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 because it is such a thing, like in the cultural zeitgeist, like it, it's just, I, I'm at cross purposes where I'm like, God, I love it. Oh, fuck. Listen to it. There's oh, a lot of good beautiful. stuff in there. It's so good. But, uh, but just recognize that like all this good shit you're getting from it is based somewhat on a lie. Yeah. Right. It's historical so, fiction and a yeah. lot of people are taking it so, so it's, as I, written as like Bible. Like, like this so is Alexander all Hamilton. Of a this sudden, is everything he you did. You believe your your brother Connor Hamilton might have been a good guy. And you're living in this fiction perpetuated by Lynn Manuel Hansen. And uh, and everything's great, right? And the songs are really beautiful. Wait, oh mm. God, did I just cross two musicals and and maybe make you like what? What the fuck's he? Oh, is that what he's saying? Oh, Sorry. he missed like, those words. I, I was just going to tie this back to our last episode huh? because we're we're talking about a character who has been uh, whitewashed into uh, a good person through music when in turn when in fact he's an absolutely horrible person. I mean. So Alexander Hamilton mm, is no mm-hmm. P.T. Barnum. Let's be clear, P.T. Barnum is <laughs> much more, much more yes. of a despicable human. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's I'm I'm reading a book right now that did an entire like lovely chapter on it. So a lot of these ideas are real fresh in my head, and mm-hmm. it's all about settler colonialism and the rise of uh, white supremacy and the establishment of the nation. So I mean. You know what I mean? That's the sort of thing I read and I'm interested in and I absorb into to my ideas and my own milieu. But it it it's and the, even the author struggles with it. Like, it's great. But like you you have to realize that, like, Alexander Hamilton would very much have liked to have taken the entire lower class and enslaved them for the purposes of like the betterment of like maybe maybe he didn't specifically think it should just be black people, but like definitely black people uh, in his. Wait, you're trying to tell me that fight that he has with. Jefferson is fake. They never had a cabinet rap battle. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Oh, Sorry, Autumn. I don't want to um, be an American well, anymore. It was it was more of a spoken word um, beat battle, and it was it was not as exciting. But they were I mean, wearing the, black the berets, author, so that was nice. The author that 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 I'm reading, it really her her main like. Hatred goes towards the entire immigrant story of the United States because it it is definitely a narrative that erases slavery. It erases indigenous voices like uh, it even like creates this sort of weird indigeneity for like the Appalachian American and like the Irish American and the Italian American. Where you're like, oh, we're, we've always been from here. And like, what? No, no, you <laughs> no you we're not. <laughs> but no. Uh, like it, it, and that's the like you say Hamilton. People like immigrants. We get the job done. Uh, none, none of those people are what you're traditionally thinking of as an immigrant. Sorry, like everybody was an immigrant, so they were all getting the job done, whether you like them or not. Like we're all not from here. Like <laughs> right? Well, yeah, some, they literally some, showed hmm? up and were like, "This is our country now." Well, actually, let's put it on paper. Yep. 
Yeah, and the, the historian I'm talking about is Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz, if you're interested. She wrote a really great book called An Indigenous People's History of the United States, and just this year, like August, came out with the next book, which is not a nation of immigrants, and then the subtitle. Um, so it just, it's lovely. It's great. It's wonderful. We could we could wax romantic about all of the things that Hamilton does right, and structure, and and blocking and you know minimalistic like settings and and uh, just everything like it's it's so good and the songs will will hit you in the feels and you're there however like it it's it's yes very similar it is it is uh what do they call that uh well it's definitely popular history it's not because the history that everybody likes is usually not written by the people like me and uh it it also it's like fan service of alexander hamilton i don't know like mm-hmm. that feels yeah. right it was all yeah, propaganda to make sure that he stayed on the five dollar bill <laughs> hmm. <laughs> i mean I, it's it all because of that damn milk commercial <laughs> i know exactly what commercial you're talking about i do it's funny because i actually had not seen that commercial until after Alexander or after Hamilton came out. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, sure I had seen it as a child, but I didn't remember it, you know? Yeah, you're younger than me. Like, I was That's definitely like, like 10, 11, 12 when that was like in constant rotation. Oh, no, I don't even Got know. Hot milk commercials used to what? be funny and instead of sexy. Oh, that's right. Tr- okay, Maggie, now I'm picturing it. Yes, 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 yes. Used to have yeah, fun, it's the guy, the guy eating the peanut butter sandwich, and mm-hmm. he's like, "What? What? Uh, you know, he's, he's with- listening to a radio show, and yeah, they're like, yeah. they're like, if you can call in now and answer the question of this, or if you can answer I our question, which Alexander. which vice president famously shot Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> and he's and eating he- a peanut butter sandwich with no milk. Yeah. And he's like walk, looking around his room, which is just full of like Alexander Hamilton memorabilia. You know, the original Lin Manuel Miranda, so, I guess. I have a question though. It's actually a commercial of Ron Chernow. Yo, uh, are you, would you all consider yourselves milk drinkers out of curiosity? Um, I would if I my know. lactose intolerance allowed it. Yeah, no. uh, love Absolutely. cheese. But would I don't milk actually it. unblock a peanut buttered mouth? That's the thing I don't. Absolutely. Yes. So that's the point yes. of that commercial. Right. Yeah. Yes. But oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. A- any sort of liquid would. Yeah, but milk but. is just particularly good at it because it has a high fat content, would help, which helps with the peanut butter, which also okay. has a high fat content. Yeah. So. I, I mean, if you guys want a good history book, there I have an entire book about like the rise of milk and and how bad that is for uh, popular culture and politics in America. But anyways. What really? <laughs> I want to read this book. The, the name of the book is Milk. It's pretty pretty interesting and in how it became like the sustenance for all. It has nothing to do with mother's milk. <laughs> oh, interesting. Big okay. dairy. Anyways. Milk. Book. Uh, but now, okay, how far back does the history of milk go in this book? Because from what I've understood is that in many ways, the history of milk really helped humanity, you know, reach a point where we uh, can sustain ourselves much better. It's specifically about like the the rise of big dairy and mm, like okay. consumer culture in America. Yeah. And like leads to like the got milk commercials. Don't buy it. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and loan it to you. I'm sure it's in Blue's Garage. Oh, okay. I mean, I wasn't really going to buy it. It's $47 for a hardcover. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, I already put myself in student debt for it. So if you ever want to read it, just let me know. 
<laughs> all those student books, man. Yeah. You really. Uh... I'm glad I don't have to buy student books anymore. It's been a hot minute, obviously, but me uh... too. <laughs> um, I stopped buying my college textbooks in like my second year of college because I often found that the teachers didn't even use the textbook. They just wanted you to buy it. So I would wait till like the third or fourth week of school before I would ever buy any textbook because nine times out of 10, I didn't need it unless it was a math class. Okay. I saved myself a lot of money. I I bought them to to put them on my bookshelf if I ever get a teaching job (laughs) because just that's what they do. (laughs) No, you got to write your own book and then put 30 copies of it on your bookshelf. Yep. And then tell them that you have to that they have to purchase it. I mean, I I've had a professor that did that. I had to buy his book. Many professors who did that, and it pisses me off. Joe, if (laughs) if you ever do write a uh, book on history, though, you have to promise me that you will sneak at least a couple of Stan Lee uh, sightings rather than uh, normal sightings in there at some point. You just want a Stan Lee cameo in my history book? I mean, just like the the yellow text box. Somewhere <laughs> below, just yeah, referencing <laughs> this book, loyal reader. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't think I'm at a point in my life where where I have a subject that I want. Although there, I have I have a really great idea for a Jungle Cruise colonialism book that I've already written 25 pages on. Anyway, oh. uh, but Hamilton, yeah, it's great. <laughs> but but there, I, I know it has problems. In so much as like where it comes from, what it says, uh, yeah. But if you know all those things and still enjoy it, then I say enjoy it, right? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I feel like there's an important level of like, yes, you are more than welcome to enjoy these pieces of like media and art, but don't forget to put on your critical thinking hat. That while like. You know, I remember when I watched Hamilton, I was like, they're singing the story of tonight. And I was like, man, I can't wait till I go to a bar and meet people of the revolution and then topple the government. Like, that sounds amazing. And let me tell you, <laughs> I've been to a lot of bars in the last few months and not a single person there wants to talk about toppling the yeah. government with me. Nobody wants to talk about destabilizing the American dollar. Nobody wants to talk to me about these things. And I feel like the musical has given me a false sense of how revolution is started. I just if, don't feel like if, that's fair to me. In an interesting, like, weird synergy of the world, the very final episode of the most recent episode or season of The Simpsons is Hugh Jackman singing to Bart about the death of the middle class in America. And it's literally like the back 12 to 15 minutes, or at least back 12 minutes of the episode. Jiminy. And uh, I just watched it while I was trying to get the boy down. And was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, I hope this isn't Damn. the last episode of The Simpsons because, oof. <laughs> uh, speaking of synergies, though, uh, just because yeah. of how you position them, I'm curious. Joe, have you heard uh, the Ben Platt slash uh, 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 Lin-Manuel uh, combo song found slash tonight? No, I have not. It is weirdly beautiful. Uh, and it's yeah. Uh, you will be found combined with uh, the tonight song. What what the bar song in Hamilton? Story of tonight. Yes, yeah, story of tonight. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it was the, a mashup. On the that, tube of you. Uh, you could probably find it there. I would guess. Um, in fact, I almost guaranteed you can find it there because they did after one of the shootings somewhere, which is the worst way to phrase that. But like 
there have been a million of them now and I hate it. Uh, th- any rate, I, I, I can't remember which shooting it was, but uh, they were already, I think, in the process of making the song, but then they did it uh, as a benefit to some organization in helping to uh, get past it. And, and I don't, again, I can't remember which, mm, it might've been the high school shooting in Florida. Literally look up Lin-Manuel Miranda, Ben Platt, and it's like the first thing that pops up and all, we'll watch it later. See, it's funny because I looked up the story of tonight and you will be found as my Google search. And I got exactly what I was looking for. Uh, I got the the combination thing. But in the Google Images search, it's a um, like a notice sign that someone would put on their house to scare off intruders. And it's got a picture of a person holding a revolver. And it says, notice, if you are found here tonight, you will be found here tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, I came here for musicals and I got some... Uh, you know... There's so, no uh, better and, statement like that to talk about my next musical. NRA. Well, there we go. No. Uh, sorry, Blue. We have to do it. It's Cats. Uh, oh, Cats. So the, the musical has that. problems. Yes. In so much what? that there, there is no story whatsoever. It is a musical based on a book of poems about cats. Um, but uh, I've, I've loved it since I was a wee child. You know what I mean? Uh, do I think it's great? The older I get, the less I think so. But it, it still <laughs> tugs at that nostalgia. And I mean, me and Blue had an entire discussion about nostalgia. Uh, and then they came out with the movie, which was a perfectly passable, weird rendition of a very strange musical to begin with. Um, was it? And, huh? Was it passable? I mean, that's, that CGI still haunts my nightmares. I don't. I, I didn't go to see that movie for the amazing CGI on him. Like no, I know, but I didn't go see that movie because of what you called amazing CGI. Oh, I, I, you said I it mean, facetiously. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, once again Andrew Lloyd Webber, and there's some really really good songs in in the in that, but like. T.S. T.S. Eliot writing, you know, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, and then Andrew Lloyd Webber being like, "Well, that sounds like a great musical." You you can't take you can't take Shel Silverstein's like On the Edge of the World and write a fucking musical about it and expect it to be coherent. Like it's well, gonna have... goes five hours of work. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna have some moments that are lovely and amazing, but uh, overarching narrative, uh, if connected, is going to be tenuous. <laughs> So, and it's funny because yeah. I've heard from people who love cats that it's a very, very good musical. But, and like every, but every time somebody tries to explain it to me, okay, the, the, I'm going to, we're going to go and play a game called What Autumn Has Heard or Thinks Cats is About. Ooh, fun game. Um, okay. Fun. Cats is about a group of alley cats who are hosting the Jellicle Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if it's an actual dance or an actual ball, but they have to find out who's the most jellical cat of all. And then they all tell monologues about their lives and while they're the best cat on the street. Mm-hmm. Can I, mean, I, can I tell her? That's what I think it's no. about. <laughs> no, please. Yes, I know. I wait, no. I want blue to I, tell I mean, me what this is about before someone who loves the musical tells me what it's about. It's about jellical cats who are jellical. So you get a bunch of made-up words, right? Like jellicle. 
So okay, like, wait, oh. words words made up by T. S. Eliot, an amazing like author in a oh, book about cats. We'll start there. All right. So made up words from a book of poems. Sure, Blue. Go Good ahead. Good for him. Good for him and his made up words. Anyways, so <laughs> you start with genital cats. I thought the whole movie, by the way, I thought the whole play oh, was about fucking. To be fair, because I thought they were saying genital until somebody corrected me. I believe it was my wife or her. My wife. One of them. Anyways, so I thought it was about fucking because everybody's dance fucking. So you start off the movie or the show and somebody gets thrown in a bag. And I was like, okay, this is where the story begins. Somebody <laughs> got abandoned. It's an abandoned. But that's bag. created for the movie. But continue, Blue. Okay. So yeah, you get an abandoned cat. The entire character you're talking about is not in the musical. Awesome. So you get an abandoned, right. <laughs> abandoned cat. It starts there. It never touches on that ever again. That doesn't fucking matter. So just drop that. It never happened. Mm -hmm. So after that happens, you get the jellical people, genital people, jellical people. Anyway, so everybody talks about it for a little while. And she's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? And they're like, bitch, you got three names. And she's like, uh, what? And then you're left with that feeling as well, which is good because when you move on, they never talk about it again. But you move on, and then all of a sudden, everybody's talking about themselves. And you're like, God, these fucking people are really into themselves. And then you meet the old one. What is it? Judy Dench? And she's like, hey, Doodle. you got to, like, fucking be the Jellicle cat. Everybody, <laughs> we got to figure out who's the Jellicle cat, right? Then everybody talks about it for a little while again, and then talks about themselves. And then you have fucking Sir Ian McKellen lick a bowl, milk from a bowl in a closet, and you die inside for a little while. And then you find out that the whole thing, the whole story is for somebody to just, ah, this Jellicle cat, you get to die. Huzzah. It's like the lottery. Yeah. And, so, uh, and yeah, the lottery you is you like die. you get. Supposedly you get reincarnated, I think is the idea. The most jellical yeah. cat gets reincarnated. That's yeah. what? Yeah, you get Good you question. Get to die and <laughs> then maybe you get to come back and live another shitty life. Totally up to you cuz you're the jellical cat. And then Judy Dench talks for like half an hour with a really <laughs> absurd close-up of her stupid cat face and <laughs> you feel terrible about yourself. And you get a really big headache. And then you go but, home. But and you yell about it for about Blue, four days. Blue, you're missing the most important part of Judy Dench's speech because you learn that cats are not dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. You mentioned <laughs> Super that. important. Right. So here's all I'm going to say. Blue, the movie is a fever dream, and it is not a good representation of the musical. I they, agree. They took, they took some good parts of it, and they tried to create an overarching narrative into the movie. They failed, and it's still tenuous. Uh, the musical is a lot less connected. What your description, Autumn, is exactly what the musical is about. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the reason people love it is because of the, the different songs that are sung and the people in cat suits. You know what I mean? It's very, uh, it's very Cirque du Soleil at moments with like the blocking and choreography. Yeah. Uh, oh. And like, yeah, it's you're literally seeing a variety show about cats. 
and like you're there for it and i i saw it the first time when i was five and i've said it on the podcast it was on broadway only broadway show i've seen with my dad rum tum tiger jumped through a fucking moon and uh and the world has never been the same like probably responsible for like sparking my love of musicals like at a tender age um and yeah i I don't like i love it but it has problems for sure yeah and some of those songs are not as catchy on constant repeat you know but when i watched the fever dream movie i was like man they tried they took a big (laughs) swing it swung wide but even then like i'm like "Eh, there was some some cute stuff and some interesting things and you know yeah, I could yeah. pick out the good. If you really want to hear Blue rant about the Cats movie, you have to go to episode 174 <laughs> of of uh, of Laughing Up Fuzzballs. And at the end of it is Blue's epic Cats rant. A rant so good that regular listener Roman uh, commonly goes back to it to bring him joy. When he's feeling bad, he listens to Blue <laughs> rant about Cats, and he feels mm. better. Uh, so, yeah. I'm sure Blue covers this in his rant, but, like, my biggest problem with the movie version of Cats is twofold, and both have to do with CGI. Is it Cats? Oh, wait. No, no, no. One is the scale. They cannot get the scale right. The fact that it is so wildly inconsistent throughout the movie, I don't care what the scale is, but they should have been able to nail down a scale for the CGI world around them. So it... That that's that's wild. I mean, like to me. the cats are never appropriately sized. Oh no, absolutely. Sometimes not. they are, but it like, like you're never sure what size that should be because it keeps changing. Like I Awful. remember, there's this really one, uh, like this really obvious part that that like what Stephen is talking about, right? Where Idris Elba walks in, and then like two minutes after he does, he starts singing, and then the rest of his ass appears into the scene because Jesus, he was stacked in that fucking movie (laughs) like wow and there was way too much idris eldra uh cat bulge which is why i thought everybody was saying genital cat (laughs) (laughs) but i was wrong so fair enough um but the the other thing does have to do with like i like there's a reason that people love cats and for me on stage part of it is just like the amazing costume work that goes into it so if they're going to do CGI versions of cats instead, they got to do better than what they did. That that it's disappointing to See, know that like there are amazing costumes out there that they could have put these actors in and they said, "No, let's do bad CGI instead." Yeah, and from what I've heard from many people who have seen the musical Cats, the the costumes are like half of the fun of that musical. Oh, absolutely. It's watching people wear these silly cat outfit but that are so interesting and unique and tell the story of the character while wearing them and there's so many amazing fantastic costume designers in hollywood that they and they just decided to go with computer animation and i think computer animation is great but why would you take something as pure as the musical costume and degrade it to a CGI version of a person in a cat suit that's not interesting. Like, they they didn't even make them, like, fun colors. They were just like, this one's a tabby. Yeah, they, I mean, they tried and they failed. (laughs) Real quick question. Does anyone know off the top of their head who directed Cats, the movie? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody got got fired. 
Baz Luhrmann. Was it Baz? No, I don't think so. No, but you I'm, believe yeah, me, I was didn't you? Say that'd be wild. Was it? Oh Tom my Hooper? God! I remember the musical I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about Moulin Rouge. Oh. Okay, we we've got time at the end for for yeah. addendums. That's um, all right. We can always I, just redo another episode. I could be wrong about who directed Cats, and if I am, I apologies to Tom Hooper. But I'm going to transition over to uh, my topic real quick, um, which is not so. It's about songs and how important certain songs are to musicals, because much like Joe, I'm going to talk about a musical that I like much more in the stage version than the movie version, and that would be Les Miserables. Mm. Ooh, very, very good. I enjoy I, both stage and screen. I, the, and I, I, my problem, I, I mean, Tom Hooper was just really obsessed with getting like close-ups of everybody all the time, and that kind of drove me insane. But apart from that, there was a song that he decided to cut from the movie that made it so that the transition between two other songs, because Les Mis is written to be song to song to song to song, you just keep going. It is almost operatic in style. Yeah, it's definitely like an, it's definitely an operata. But if you pull out certain songs from the so- the musical, then it makes the transitions between songs not hit as well Mm. i it was so weird to me to see eddie redmayne singing empty chairs at empty tables almost immediately after javert's suicide Mm. like that transition didn't hit and the reason was they took the song turning out of there where which is a great transitional it starts picking the music back up to lead into empty chairs and empty tables a song i love and at the same time even as they're picking up they establish in the story why Eddie Redmayne is so sad. Everyone is dead. And that's essentially what the song is about. It's like, these kids all fought and it was all for nothing. Everything's the same as it was. They changed nothing. No one will mourn them. Bam, here's Eddie Redmayne, the only one mourning them. Mm. And it's a beautiful transition, except they cut it out and said, and here's Eddie Redmayne and his weird, wobbly uh, Adam's apple. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for that see I, I got that entire i saw les mis as a movie before i saw it in a stage production i saw it at the pantages as well semi-recently like pre-panini uh but i i mean i got that entire message so you know i i think well, sometimes seeing one thing before you've seen the other can change like your your point of view well and that's i i, I just feel like it doesn't hit as well and and I understand yeah. that, like, if, if it's missing and you don't know what's missing, then it might not be the same effect for sure. Um, but yeah. it was just, I, I mean, lame. Oh, no, no. I'm just like, it just generally like transitions. The other thing about lame is, and this is not movie related because the song was missing from the movie, but it was also been missing from the musical for years and years and years now. Uh, in the original musical, they had a song where, the little boy, Gafrosh, I want to say. Yeah. Anyway, the little, yeah. Gafrosh sings about little people. And he sings about how, like, you shouldn't turn your back on little people. You shouldn't, like, mistrust or mistreat little people because uh, they're amazing. And look, we're here. Now, in, in versions now, and I get that, like, the musical's too long. So I can understand why it's gone. But I do love that song. And I love the fact that you can then call back to it when it's in the musical. When Gafrosh dies, because he's singing that same song as he's being useful as a little person, but then he dies because of his efforts. 
but it just does again it just like if you if it's missing you might not even notice it's not there but it's just weird to have the reprise without the original song i feel if that. that makes sense yeah no oh, what an interesting choice to cut out the original to a reprise yeah yeah it, I mean, it, that's that's always a challenge of when they're making movies. There's always something that they do like that where, like, the purists are like, bah. right, right. Yeah. And and as I said, that was not a choice that Tom Hoover made. It had been made for him years ago by people who were like, this musical is too long for the stage. We can't have all the songs in there. Let's get something out. They pulled Gafrosh's song out of there. Yeah. And it and he it did direct Cats bit. as well for the record. Aha, <laughs> I was right. Yeah, Lane is good. Cats, not. <laughs> uh, I mean, so Lane Miz is sort of a weird journey. Like story time, like like Stephen was saying, uh, I read the book when I was young, oh. like eight or nine. Like Victor Hugo, Lane Miz are all bleh. Uh, and I don't. I was just sort of like a weird little kid, huh? I was a weird little kid. Um, oh, I bet you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a weird big kid. Uh, but like, <laughs> then I'm like getting into musicals, and somebody's like, "Oh, that's a musical. That book is not a happy book. I mean, the play is not a happy play." I was gonna say it. not like the but, play. Not but like, happy. the book is book is even more tonally like wow. So when they're like, "Yeah, you want to listen to music?" and I was like, "No, I don't. I don't want to have anything to do with anything adapted from this book." Like, not interested. And even my cousin Meredith was saying me, like, Castle on a Cloud. And I'm like, that's pretty. That doesn't belong in that book. <laughs> so uh, it took many, many years of everybody. And I, like, got more aware of, like, the different music. But when it finally, like, was a movie, and I'm like, I love Huge Jacked Man. Like, freaking Russell Crowe. Like, the cast, I was like, okay. I'm interested. I'm going to watch this. I did wait for it to come out like streaming or whatever before I finally watched it. But then I was like, oh, I sort of slept on this. This is a lovely musical that also I don't think I don't know how you adapt Victor Hugo's Les Miserables and create that amazing like stagecraft. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't. I, my hat's off to them that they did. Uh, but then when I saw it, like at the at the Pantages, yes, the stage production is better than the movie because it's supposed to be right. Like that's just that's the the way it was presented. That's the book. That's the the staging and all that. And when the when the actor that played, you know, two four three oh or whatever, I forget the number. But anyways, two four six oh one. Two four six oh one. When he's saying when that actor saying bring oh, him no, home, sorry. he's saying bring him home and went from his low register to his falsetto and just like tugged everybody in that theater along with him. Like I literally like tears streaming out down my face. Looked at my wife and was like hot damn and she was like i know and i was just like oh my god like that's one of my singular like theatrical moments where this actor i was just like i i don't know that i've ever seen anything like that like oh but dude this this guy just he killed it it was so good oh man so after that i was like yes like i I see why people are not so thrilled with hugh jackman because that is possible you know Mm. But that doesn't mean that I dislike the the movie version, you know, like because there's a lot I, of passion and Jackman's a good actor. So as as we can see from Greatest Showman, Hugh can really hit amazing notes. I'm like mainly I'm just disappointed that Tom Hooper was like everything has to be sung on set and we will not go back and fix this. It's got to sound real. I'm like, oh. yeah. but it's a movie. You can make it sound real, though. You can you make it sound real yeah. and good. You can do that. Uh, <laughs> but I think we've established it. That Tom Hooper makes choices. 
he does <laughs> he does indeed uh but no i mean like yeah. i i but, i uh, i was also i came out of that movie not hating it but weirdly prepared to defend russell crowe because was like i don't think russell crowe is the only sinner when it comes to the singing in this and i don't think it's his fault either i think he probably yeah. could have pulled something off if he was given that time tom <laughs> i know it always bothers me when I mean, there's musicals was... where they pick like people who aren't very strong singers yeah because it's that. not like you couldn't have found someone who was both a strong actor and a strong singer Right. I just always find it such an odd choice. They're like, well, you know, we really like Russell Crowe. I mean, that the musical is propped up by Anne Hathaway's performance with the one song. You know what I mean? With such a different take on it. And and then the rest of it just revolves around it. I mean, so. she is a goddess. Yeah. And I like her. Her version of the song is heartbreaking. I've never heard it sung like that. I've heard it sang beautifully. I've heard it belted. I've heard it soft, but I've never heard that version of it. Mm. Uh, and I do I do think we'll see semblances of that version in future stage productions just because it really was like a very honest like way to come at the song. But, you know, what I will say is I'd love to see Anne Hathaway play possibly the main character in Blue's absolutely favorite musical. Blue, can you tell us a little bit more about that? About which one? Your favorite musical that we uh... favorite musical is Anastasia, like a hundred percent. Like Anastasia. Um, so they made the the musical after the movie, obviously, uh, the animated movie, um, and they chose. They made a lot of like really interesting decisions. Uh, did Did anybody else watch it? So I've seen both the movie and I saw the musical in theaters when it was at the Circusdrum Center a couple of years ago. And wasn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. It's a really, really beautiful um, set piece design musical. The The way they tell the story is a little, it's quite a bit more mature than yeah. the Anastasia, you know, what is it? Mm. Dream, is it DreamWorks? I don't know. Uh, I think it was DreamWorks. Or somebody else. I know it's not a Disney movie. Yeah. No, everybody thinks it is. Everybody's um, Disney now. And, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. But, and, you know, I, I didn't think it was perfect. I think the they i'm trying to remember it's been a while since i've since i've listened to it but it, it's a really be- beautiful musical and it's still obviously for a younger generation it's not like i mean when i was there there were so many kids in the audience and you know it's not like this like you know super nitty gritty version of you know the romanoff story of anastasia um but it's a lot they've got a lot more mature themes and, and interesting storylines that happen throughout the musical also the two characters in the movie who are like in love with each other and are very sweet. They have a fantastic song in the yeah. musical that is so, so funny and so good. So in the actual musical, they changed um, a number of things. So one of the things that they changed was um, Grigori uh, or Grigori Rasputin. So Rasputin is, is not in the film or in the, uh, the musical. And like then at all. Yeah. The, the bat is also not in, like, his whole part is, like, gone. And it's this soldier um, who is, like, the son of the, I, I think, like, one of the, the chamberlains or, like, the cops. It's some higher up in, in the military that is, like, trying to uh, stop her from lying about being, you know, um, like, Anastasia? as if she's, like, a con man trying to take over the crown, right? 
and uh it is... and her her intentions are a little bit different in the musical too if i remember correctly cuz i feel like in the original movie she is pretending and in yeah. the musical she really believes it even from like early on in the story no hmm. so she no she still didn't oh, no? believe it yeah no she she didn't believe it um because they they go through the um the whole song of uh if I can learn to do it, and you can. Oh yeah. yes. So they they stick with that whole theme, and she truly does not believe that she like she has imposter syndrome throughout the entire thing, and uh, they get chased like out of of Russia and into Paris and all these other places, and then they circle back and stuff. But um, I thought it was uh, a different take, obviously, because like Autumn said, it was a little more mature. But I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was a great little change um, to the storyline, and the songs were. Well, I, I forget the the name of the um, the actress who was playing Anastasia, but she freaking killed it. And they mm-hmm. added a couple other songs in there, and she is so good, like so good. Um, they added a couple other songs, like um, oh, like that, like the song that Autumn was talking about, actually, from the uh, the couple that they meet. Um, along the way, and I think that the two guys who play uh, Dimitri and uh, I can't remember the older gentleman's name, but um, uh, the two con men that thought, oh yeah, she could play the part, like no problem. It's Vladimir. Vladimir, yeah. Nice. Thanks. Thank you. Um, like they were really great too. So I, I really everyone was really great was in good. it. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing the musical, but that movie, like, Fox Animation, 100%, like, doing what Disney was doing, mm-hmm. uh, and and the voice talent, you know, Kelsey Grammer, Christopher Lloyd, John Cusack, Hank Azaria, Angela Lansbury, Meg Ryan, like, Kirsten Dunst, like, fuck. Like, yeah. it they was, went uh, so hard, man. They yeah. went so hard They went hard, cast. and they... Yeah, and they did a great job. And, like, when you, when you out-Disney Disney... Disney so much that now with the Mandela effect, everybody's like, no, that is a Disney movie. And like, like Steven <laughs> said, it, it technically is now with the acquisition of Fox, but yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I love all the, the Vladimir uh, or the Rasputin stuff, you know what I mean? Even the stupid bat, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're really going with the story of Anastasia and all the imposters and everything, then you have to get into like red Russia. And like, if you keep Rasputin, you're keeping it in that, you know, uh, Imperial Russia like era. So yeah, I get it. I mean, I, my historian hats off to, to probably what they're trying to do. Yeah. Although I'm sure it's not an examination of communism. So <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I, both I, the I, good I, and the bad, but touching on the, the Fox doing what Disney does, uh, they went even so far as to uh, replace the main villain's voice in a song with uh, Winnie the Pooh, just like Disney. So that's fun. <laughs> oh, there you go. He, he did the singing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember if it was exactly like with Jeremy Irons and Lion King where he took over halfway or if it was just the entire thing, but he's definitely singing some and most of the uh, villain song. I yeah. mean, he, he's a very talented voice actor, and uh, we like we like talented voice actors, don't we, Autumn? We sure do. Jim <laughs> Cummings, man. We love Jim Cummings. His voice shows up in all sorts of weird things. We're like, wait, is that Winnie the fucking Pooh? <laughs> yep. I keep thinking it's Jim. It's probably not, but I keep thinking it's Jim Cummings 
uh, doing the voice specifically for when your doom buggy stops in uh, in uh, Haunted Mansion. It's very possible. I don't know who it actually is, but I like every time I hear it, I'm like, is that Jim Cummings? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> yeah. Since your doom buggy has stopped. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. Is, is that the one that you went to go see with Caitlin when you were still dating? No, the one we went to go see... My golly, what did we go see? No, we went to go see um, uh, Cirque du Soleil shows. Ooh, okay, fun. gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I we mean, saw, um, to- uh, no, Amaluna and the other one that just, Ovo. Those are two shows we went to Yeah. Uh, I just thought you'd gone to see a musical, too, so that's something you saw before. No, we <laughs> really want to see um, Town. That's the one we want to go see. But yeah, we just lots house. of people. That's one. That's another one that a lot of people like have opinions on that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. She loves it. She's seen I know it. I went to go see a, a separate college performance of You're in Town. I don't recommend that musical. <laughs> really? No, I don't. <laughs> Might have been that it was a college production, but yeah. I got extra credit, so it was worth it. Uh-huh. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about school productions, I was uh, talked into by my boss to go see uh, Pippin lately, recently. Um, the, but, the high school kids did an amazing job. They were performing their hearts out, and and they did a great job performing it. It's just Pippin like loses the plot in the second act, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, my oldest was in a version of West Side Story at their high school, and uh, I really liked seeing my my kid as uh, the detective cop, but uh, it was not my favorite rendition of West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had seen uh, uh, at Cal Baptist University, and they were all, you know, college-level kids going for acting and stuff, and I saw the worst rendition of Fiddler on the Roof that I had ever seen. Oh, you saw our show? That's nice. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That was real bad. Uh, Lieutenant Shrank, if you were wondering, Stephen. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. I so, only know Officer Crump because really, of that song. That's the, <laughs> it's, it's a really small... Shrank is a very small role in the actual stage production. A little bit bigger role in the movie. But yeah. Gotcha. So uh, I just like that yeah. his last name could have been Cop, the way you described him. Detective Cop, reporting for duty. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I, I remember my kid with the New York accent. Everybody calm down. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shots over there chats over there <laughs> well now that we've listed off a child. bunch of different musicals i'm curious autumn what are you bringing for this topic of musicals we haven't touched on yet uh or music and it's called the moulin rouge oh yeah, that's right um i mean you know it's so funny because i do love moulin rouge and i will talk about it forever and ever um you because it's great even though it's it? not great huh save where you have more time to talk about it <laughs> i mean yeah probably get the trilogy um, going i mean i'm back on talk about it too i love it I, very much i, mean, I love the winners and like i do yeah it does have problems um but something i wanted to really bring up um was last week when we were doing or not last week but last episode when we were doing this um you guys had brought up musicals of things that weren't stage productions and i was like oh yeah other things can have musicals it's not just the stage um i wanted to bring up a tv show that i think is fantastic and is such a good musical and it's crazy ex-girlfriend um i don't know if any of you have seen it have have any of you seen it Mm -mm. no have you heard of it i've heard of it 
I think I might have seen an episode. Is the whole thing a musical? The whole four-season show is a musical. There is at least one musical number per episode, and it is like a, a... I mean, every season is at least 10 episodes, and there's four seasons of it. And... The intro is a musical. Everything about it is a musical. And it's fantastic. And the fact that it's a musical is related to what's going on with the character in the main show. So the show basically starts off with this young girl at theater camp. And um, she meets this boy. And it's like the best experience of her life because she gets to be on the stage, which is like her favorite thing to do. And she meets this guy and his name is Josh. And he's like so sweet and so nice. Um and then at the end of camp, he breaks up with her and she goes on to live the rest of her life uh, to be the lawyer that her mother always wanted her to be. And in the first episode, she is told that she um, is going to make partner at her law branch, which is not something she ever really wanted, apparently. And she basically has a nervous breakdown Um and is trying to remember the last time she was ever happy and remembers the time that she was at musical camp and makes the rash decision to move to West Covina, California, brand new pals, a new career. It happens to be where Josh lives, but that's not why she's here. She's a crazy <laughs> ex-girlfriend. What? No, I'm not. She's a crazy ex-girlfriend. That's a sexist term. She's a crazy ex-girlfriend. Okay, can you guys just stop singing for a moment? She's so broken inside. Um, and I, I, yes. I recommend it to everybody. It's got a real, it's got a real cult following. Um, and it's just like this wacky story about this girl who makes the worst decisions, who is just so, so frustrating, but the music is so phenomenal that every song has a history behind it. Every musical number is a reference to another musical or a genre of music or a time period of musicals Hmm. or just a you know a reference to you know cinematic musical history her knowledge of musicals allowed her to create such not only just a phenomenal story that really touches on important topics of mental health and stuff but just as anyone if you love musicals at all you have to watch the show because it's a love letter to musicals and it's a love letter to anyone who's ever struggled with mental illness. And it's just a beautiful show that's so frustrating. And Rebecca, you're just so difficult to be around sometimes, but it's so good. And like the side characters are written so well and the music alone is fantastic. And I just wish any of you have seen it because it's just so good. And it's four seasons. (laughs) It's four seasons. And like Rachel Bloom is... It, she's a, a genius miracle worker and Santino Fontana is in it he played Hans in Frozen he was in Kinky Boot um, and there's just so many other great actresses in it and actors in it and I just can't recommend it enough <sighs> okay. I'm, that, that's uh, fair I'm, I'm it's sold like, stream, it's streaming on Netflix 
It is streaming on Netflix. It was was originally aired on TNT. um, And I think after the first season came out, it was, or maybe the second season, it was like the lowest rated TV show on TNT ever that got another season (laughs) renewed. And (laughs) by the time they finished the show, which is a really good example of a show that knew when it was like what story it was telling and when it needed to end. Um, It had like, you know, some of the best ratings in TNT and it was like, it's just so good. Hmm. I I mean, like, I I think I need to watch it if for no other reason than to get titles correct. Because every time I heard, I've heard crazy ex-girlfriend, my brain replaces that title with thinking about, was it super crazy X? There was a movie Mm -hmm. that came out like 10 years ago about like an ex-girlfriend who also happened to be a oh, superhero. With, yeah, oh. with Uma Thurman. Yeah, that, yeah. Hey. That's right. she, it, was, it, was, it was a funny movie. And she, so, she throws a shark at them. Jesus. <laughs> like a great white shark. She flies up and throws a great white shark into his apartment. It's crazy. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Like, I need to fix that because I think about that, which I haven't watched the movie, and yet my brain's like, Yep, that's what we're gonna think about. I think yep, that's what we're gonna think about. I saw that in theaters mainly because it was Uma Thurman. So, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like Uma Thurman? I mean, when you're when you're mentioning the show, it makes me think like a lot of people slept on Gallivant. <coughs> yeah. Oh yes. So, yeah, there's a another musical show. I think that was two seasons. Yeah. Uh, I've seen several episodes, and what I saw, I enjoyed. Uh, it's definitely in the tradition of like that Monty Python esque nights and. Dragons they had a really whatnot. good episode with uh, Weird Al in it. There you go. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're wrapping up, I real quickly, I because I, I don't think we need to devote a lot of time to it, but I wanted to mention Repo, the genetic opera, oh, yeah. a musical that I love very very much. That uh, you either love it or you hate it, but uh, it like uh, about it often. A, it's a weird rock opera, um, and often confused with like. Uh, the movie that doesn't have any songs in it about repo men <laughs> with Jude Law, mm. I believe. Um, but yeah, it's the, the entire idea that like in the future, you know, you get your life can be prolonged through like cosmetic surgery and like, you know, Oh, synthetic, repo genetic uh, opera, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 And it's a, uh, it's a, a story about a father and his, and his daughter and like the, the crazy corporation and, uh, and it's got some really good songs in it, and it's it's weird, but I and love it. And it's got Giles from or Giles Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah. It it's just and Zydrake comes in a little glass vial, a little glass vial, a little, a glass, little glass vial, glass and vial. the vial goes into the gun like a battery, <laughs> and the drug comes out, and you're ready for surgery, surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's definitely a, a musical that I shared with uh, the mother of my uh, middle children. And uh, yeah, like I could put that on. I have I definitely have the soundtrack saved on my iTunes. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, but uh, there's, there's some good jams in it. And it's a very interesting like I love that about musicals when like weird, weird stories, like a crazy sci fi dystopic you know future becomes this like rock opera that you can watch. You're like, OK, this is the world that we live in. Yep. And uh, and I'm here for it. But that's all to say, like, if you haven't seen Repo, I recommend it. If For the weirdness. I also and recommend it. 
yeah, it, interesting music. But I real quick, because of you guys, because of Capes and Caverns, and Cameron's not with us, but it's his fault too. I'm back <laughs> on a musical kick. I'm listening God, to my him. soundtrack. And, and I'm seeking out, like, I watched Dear Evan Hansen because I want to watch a new musical that everybody's talked about. And then I made the mistake of watching The Prom on Netflix. Oh. And uh, it's, uh, heard it's, of it. it's an actual musical, um, but it, it literally watching a musical that I 50% really enjoyed and 50% just despised. Wow, and it, it is that's not, impressive. It's not very often that you give me a movie that Meryl Streep is in where I'm just like, fuck her. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Meryl, Meryl Streep is one of the, the titular characters in it. Um, it's the, the entire premise is essentially a small town. I think it's Indiana. They cancel the prom because a lesbian wants to take her girlfriend. Uh, and then these Broadway the stars. Prom? Yeah, they cancel the prom. And then these Broadway stars whose show has failed uh, decide that the way they're going to get back in the zeitgeist is by picking a cause. And then this chorus girl played by Nicole Kidman uh, finds this news story and they all jump on a, a tour bus uh, that's headed that way anyways with some bad musical. And uh, and they decide they're going to save the prom and how they inter- interact with these high school kids. Uh, that said... Uh, Freaking Andrew Reynolds is one of the characters, and I I love everything he does in the musical. Uh, Nicole Kidman's character is quite sweet, but James Corden and Meryl Streep just, God, why did they do that? It <laughs> did not make me happy. Uh, and apparently James Corden's character in the actual Broadway musical is very, very gay, and the gay is toned down for, like, the movie. Oh. Um, but, like, Ariana DeBose is in there. And there's the subject some, matter. Like... So, like, it starts off with, like, the prom's canceled, then you go to Broadway, you meet Meryl Streep and James Corden, who are in a, a Broadway musical about Eleanor Roosevelt. They failed. Everybody hates them. They're going to go off and save. And then you get to the, the high school, and it's this teenager, and she's, like, singing a song about how dare she be gay in Indiana. And you're like, oh, I love her. Like, oh, this song is good. Oh, wow. And it literally is this juxtaposition between me being like, I hate this. I hate this so much. Oh, my God, they're so sweet. And I really am like, I just want to cut out the Broadway people and just watch this musical about this girl <laughs> that's gay in Indiana. You know what I mean? I just wanted uh, to watch then, gay girls in Indiana. But then Andrew Reynolds has like the real great song of the entire musical is him like in a mall singing to all these Christian kids about how all of their assorted teenage sins are going to send them to hell and how the really they should just listen to Jesus's one commandment to love, love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor. No one thing you should do. Like, <laughs> And Andrew Randall's Book of Mormon, right? He's just great. Uh, yeah. And Keegan-Michael Key is in there as the principal. Oh, wow. Um, really? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it really, like, the cast is good. It's worth a watch just to, like, hate watch half and love watch the other half. Um, But it's two hours long, and when it ends at the hour mark, you're like, this is still going? Okay. <laughs> but, like, everything having to do with the girl in high school that just happens to, like, girls is is lovely. It's just uh, whoever wrote it found a really weird way to get to it. 
Uh, but it is a love letter to Broadway in a way, but also like a weird satire of Broadway as well. Um, so I think probably seeing it as a stage production, it's much better, is my guess, uh, mm. with, with different actors and different choices when not shot as a movie. Uh, but it came out 2020 during the during the pandemic. I heard about it. I heard a bunch of people pissed off because they liked the original show and they're like, this isn't it. And uh, I finally was like, I want to watch a musical. I've been meaning to watch this. And I watched it. And some of the music's really good. Uh, some of the music's mad, but the overall, like the way it ends with LGBTQ representation, you're like, okay, I'm forgiving it. Like all of this <laughs> stuff I hate, I'm forgiving it. Cause you got there, you know, you got there at the end. So we took the long way round, but we still got here. <laughs> yeah. But Joel M. Pellman is who plays Emma, the, the, the young girl that wants, just wants to go to prom with, with their girlfriend. Uh, and like, it's also like the, I'm, I'm spoiling the damn show, but the his, her secret girlfriend is the daughter of the P, head of the PTA that's canceling everything. You know what I mean? So it's complicated, what? right? Yeah. So, uh, but there's some really good stuff, and then there's some questionable. But it's it's free on Netflix if you have it, so you could give it a watch. What's it called again? <laughs> the prom. The prom. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and if if nothing else. Just so you can really enjoy the song about <laughs> it's not good to be gay in Indiana. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, it's yeah, it's, it's she's really clever. Like the people that wrote the play, there's some there's some good wordplay. Um, so yeah, but it's also really strange that Keegan Michael Key and Meryl Streep are semi-romantic in the movie with a big age gap. Nice. <laughs> like, oh. Okay, but uh, right. ever since I saw Jingle Jangle, I'm all about Keegan Michael Key singing, and so. Yeah, he's good. He loves music. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. So it's inter- It's a it, it's a weird thing, but worth a watch. Okay. Speaking yeah. of Keegan, get Michael Key in musicals. Has anyone seen Schmigadoon? I I haven't no. given him a shot. Yet. I've heard I've heard of it, but I wait. That's the one with um, Chris Kristen Chenoweth, right? Oh, Chenoweth. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I so I've not seen it, but I have heard that it is good but it falls short of having the real heart of a good mm. musical gotcha makes sense that's what i it? heard too do you know you like the basis of the story no not really so basically <laughs> not like she knows cats yeah uh, so basically um keegan so just, and his Christian wife Chenoweth comes down on a bubble <laughs> keegan yeah. and his wife are going through um some marital troubles and they went on a um a, a camping trip and as they're out there, um, she's like, you know, really nerdy and really into like musicals and into all sorts of things. And he's that? A very not that type of guy. <laughs> you know, he, he's very into his sports and stuff. And they end up um, in an alternate world. Oh. And that world is everything is a musical. Everything. Love so it. <laughs> he has to deal with it. And then he she's like going through it too and they find each other like kind of switching spots mentally because now she's completely surrounded by it and he is like oh i'm actually kind of good at this <laughs> yeah hmm. so that, that's interesting the premise of yeah. the... that's apple tv plus which i don't have which i do not have does anybody yeah. have that i don't <laughs> i know somebody somebody, somebody must or it's just to. the fact that apple doesn't need our money yeah, well, they, they have our money in be. other ways, you know. Yeah, they have. They already have my money. <laughs> they don't need my plus it's, money. It's literally that 
that rich family that has a theater company and keeps putting on productions where like if you come to their shows it's great but they don't necessarily need you to finance like what they're doing mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. seems right yeah. um yeah but you know joe thank you so much for having us on to discuss <laughs> musicals again i think there's more in the tank here i don't know about everybody else there, oh yeah of course there yeah. is because uh, cameron wanted to talk about waitress didn't you cameron I like that none if of us have anything, agreed um, on who should be Cameron. <laughs> we we created an episode we where we know Cameron. at least we have we have I, one extra listener where Cameron's like, Cameron. I need to know what they talked about. Fuck. I am Cameron, yep. please. <laughs> We will all but think the, the same thing. I, and oh, Joe, right. like beyond anything else, <laughs> I, I definitely want to get you into a conversation. Since we had that conversation about Hamilton, I want to talk with you about 1776 and how Ooh. Uh, how, how you feel about that musical. But we'll save that for later. Ooh, I, I love it to, when I, I get what I want. I haven't seen that in a long time. But, but yeah, I would definitely rewatch to, to talk about it. Nice. It's, uh, yeah, there's actually a really good uh, Cinephiles episode uh, podcast that was endorsed by Sean. Uh, once upon a time, I turned him on to it, and he was like, wow, damn you, it's actually a good podcast. Uh, they did an entire uh, breakdown of 1776, which was interesting. So, yeah. Awesome. I like uh, I like historical musicals. I, maybe that's what I should do. That's my synergy, is taking my history degree and writing the next great actual historical musical. Well, it, okay, <laughs> Joe, the, the other thing I will say, well, this was mentioned earlier in the episode, but like, uh, if you might want to discuss this next time, if, if you haven't seen it yet, speaking of historical musicals, you, you might want to give Come From Away a shot. I, I highly recommend Come From Away. It's a musical about a small town in Canada that got... Oh, no, I'm, I know... Yeah, oh. once you said that, I know about this. I haven't oh, seen it, but I definitely know it's the Canadians and the 9/11. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of the all of the planes that were supposed to go to jail, not all of the planes, but a bunch of the planes that were supposed to get uh land or grounded in JFK got diverted to this small airport and, you know, this town of Newfoundlands take care of, you know, all these international travelers basically yeah. during, you know, the national you know, tragedy that was 9-11 and like, you know, it's, it's certainly a musical that I'm sure is what, you know, that rose colored glasses kind of feel, but even so much of the musical, they're, they're painting a picture of, of how people would really act when given that circumstance and how people were treated poorly and how some people were treated better. And, you know, it's really cool too. The way the cast works is that every cast member plays like two or three different characters so it's very well done the cast is phenomenal the music's beautiful the story itself is fantastic i would i've seen that musical twice in person just because i enjoyed it so much the first time i saw it i went to go see it again like two weeks later also on apple tv plus so (laughs) if if you need your money oh no Oh, damn it. Maybe there's a free free subscription coming in my future. We just got to have one person, yeah, do the seven-day trial, and then we'll all just hang out and watch as many musicals <laughs> as we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that I do I do celebrate, like, the streaming services, like, 
you know, getting like musicals. And I don't I don't want them to stop trying to make movie versions of the musicals. Like Wicked's gonna be one and it's the guy that did uh I'm interested to see it. Into the Heights, we didn't talk about, but that's something we can talk about in the future. Like, yeah, another great Lin Manuel Miranda, probably the superior, honestly, Lin Manuel Miranda, like musical, uh, as long as you're taking Encanto out of consideration. (laughs) But but yeah, so (laughs) we don't talk about Bruno. So, In the Heights is great, yeah. I I think there's, I think like Steven said, there is more in the tank, but we do have to, the tank is on E. It's like my mom's (laughs) uh, leaf that I'm borrowing running out of running out of juice and causing me grief oh, no. <laughs> let's uh yes let's i love up. it i get what i want part three let's, let's do the plug let's do the plug so autumn what do you got to plug oh gosh what do i have to plug you can find me on the internet at autumngaberski.com a-u-t-u-m-g-u-b-e-r-s-k-y uh, you can see the projects I do there. You can see my voiceover demo reel. Uh, you can follow me on the social medias and see when I post all of the things. And I feel like there was something else that I wanted to talk about, but I don't think I do. So come meet me on the internet and we're going to have a great time. Sweet, Steven. Sure. I am Steven, a.k.a. Silver underscore Bulette on YouTube as well as Twitch. Uh, you can find me there hopefully most Mondays at 8.30 p.m. where we're running Capes and Caverns. I am also the host behind All the Webs of Stage, which is a short play podcast that I really need to get around to recording another episode for the June slot. I just need to figure out who and what the plays are. But, you know, aside from that, uh, but, uh, also I am a TikToker now of all things. So, uh, you can find me, uh, as all the webs of stage, just one word, uh, in, on, uh, the TikToks where I just do silly, stupid things. Hey, tickety tat. Yeah. That's where his Shel Silverstein musical is taking shape. <laughs> <laughs> ah, plots I have laid. <laughs> Ah, I guess that's me. Ah, so you can catch me at Blue Wolf D on the Instagrams. Uh, you can also catch me um, along with Stephen and Autumn on the uh, Caves and Caverns show, which is, uh, like Stephen said, most Mondays. Uh, <laughs> many Mondays. There have been many Mondays you could catch the show, as he said, on YouTube. Um, you can also catch me here with the good old Wookiee, occasionally making a appearance and making voices <laughs> talking about shit and being a general nuisance you can catch me <laughs> whatever <laughs> and of course i'm i am also jackson and i uh uh i have a shop on etsy called agathist creations if you uh look that up you can get some amazing woodcraft items yeah, don't forget to check. Okay. I don't know why Cameron has turned into Nick Offerman, but that's fine. Also, don't I forget to check out. I make spoons and knife cutlery, <laughs> and I also do drama. Yeah, and my poems and writings over at camjackson.com. That's Cam Jackson. That's C-A-M-J-A-X-N.com. That's what I said, camjackson.com. Camjackson.com. Yeah. You know... I dropped the mic with uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, and I've just been listening awkwardly the whole time. Because you are listening, Cameron. Let's be real. You had to hear what we said. Of course. <laughs> How we filled in the... I can't wait to get the review of Cameron, of our rendition of Cameron. 
<laughs> Indeed. And uh, all my things, laugh it up, fuzzball, podcast at gmail.com. Send an email. I'll reply. One of you, send an email. Uh, that'd be lovely. I reply okay. uh, uh, quickly-ish. Uh, feel free. Autumn, we could be like pen pals. Oh, we could be pen pals. <laughs> Although we, we don't need email to communicate with each other, but that's okay. I know, but it's uh, about the novelty of it. Yeah, anchor.fm slash laugh dash shit dash up dash fuzzball. You want merch, uh, go to tpublic.com slash user slash laugh dash shit dash up dash fuzzball at Wookie Riot on the Twitter and the Instagram. I haven't been musked out of Twitter yet, uh, but I'm considering it. And I inevitably, I'm always considering things like discords and becoming a TikToker and all that stuff. Like Ty, Ty is so convinced that I'm going to be so TikTok famous. And I don't know. <laughs> I can see that. There's enough goofy shit that goes on in the family room, aka the playroom, with toys where Tyler's like, You should record this. People should see how great you are. I'm like, Bro, I'm like, little buddy, I've been recording for over six years and ain't nobody listening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But for all you who are listening, Thank. And uh, I know Danny's at least listening to the new one and all the other assorted fuzzballs that listen and and put uh, put the joy in my heart. And uh, not the ducats in my wallet because uh, it's a free podcast and that's sort of lovely. That's the best, the good, the best part. Good excuse to talk to friends. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, it gives us an excuse to talk about musicals for over two hours. And twice. it's like, it's nice too because since it's free, we don't have to worry about like, ah, uh, yes, we have to talk about what our sponsors want us to talk about. Guys, looks right. like once again our sponsors are demanding that we talk about Bruno. We've made it very clear we didn't want to. Yes. Today's podcast brought to you by Clear American Mandarin Orange. (laughs) Zero sugar, zero calories, zero caffeine. I don't need to give Walmart any more money. You're giving them the money anyways. But uh, it was tasty, (laughs) and it wetted my whistle. Isn't that right, Cameron? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Squeaker, squeak, squeak in. Thanks for listening. And until the next next version, uh, catch me in blue this Saturday at Star Wars Celebration. I'll be there all four days. Day one, I'll just be looking like a random rebel with a little Jedi. Uh, day two, look for a Chewbacca. One of them is me, uh, and the <laughs> wife will be the wife will be wearing a cute Baby Yoda onesie that I bought bought her. So cute. Uh, yeah, if you see a Wookiee with the Baby Yoda onesie lady next, that's probably me. There's uh, a high likelihood there's a a bunch of them doing that. Yeah, on uh on. Day three, me and Blue laugh it up Fuzzballs t-shirts and uh, probably the debut of my beautiful Mandalorian helmet. Ooh. And uh, yeah. that's going to be Mando goes on vacation and Shawnee will definitely be dressed like a little baby Yoda because uh, he will be with me on, on Saturday and Sunday. And then on Sunday, if you see a guy just in a beard and shorts and flip-flops wearing a laugh it up Fuzzball shirt with uh, with an older lady with or without walker or pushing a stroller wearing a laugh it up Fuzzball shirt, that's me and my mom. So come on out. Say hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am definitely going to be plugging the shit out of my podcast at Star Wars Absolutely. Celebration. It's, it's just ironic. They'll plug it and they're going to go straight to the musical episode. <laughs> yeah. So. so, yeah. Then we can plug it. Our... Then we so can talk I... about our Star Wars musical that's coming up. We're yes. using the classic music, Jizz. Yes. If, if I met you at Celebration and you listened this far, hey, it was cool to meet you and thanks for listening. Tell your friend. It's a celebration. Outside of Celebration. Celebration. <laughs> celebrate podcast. Come on. Come on. Let's celebrate now. Yeah. It's a celebration.
It, it, it indeed is. And because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. All right. Until next time, friends. <laughs> Toodaloos. Adios. Loose. Sayonara. Sayonara. That's who. Uh, bye. Are you the same, Fraulein? Yeah. What? Cameron's like, bye. Oh, uh, uh, bye, y'all. Oh, yeah. Steven, you got a way to say bye? Uh, hasta la vista? No, that's Ooh. not, that doesn't seem right for a musical episode. Um, <laughs> Coming so soon, long, the T2 well, musical. And goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> the podcast hey. has gone, and so we say goodbye. Goodbye. Oh. Goodbye.